0: This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers, adult language, and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised.
1: All rise. The Court of the DC Extended Universe is now in session. Judge Zachary E. Snyder presiding calling the case of Batman v. Superman. Court is now in session. Welcome to a podcast of Rare Antiquities. Today on the show, it's none other than the world's greatest heroes, Batman and Superman, duking it out for playground supremacy. Who wins? Who loses? Stay tuned to find out next. I am your host, Jeff. And I am your co-host, Harry. All right. Welcome to the show, Harry. And we've got two very special guests coming back to the show. Nathan, welcome back to the show. What's happening? And uh, Andrew, how's it going, buddy? Not bad. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, man. Uh, this uh, is our sort of foray back into the mainstream here. We uh, definitely have a lot to talk about, so we'll just kind of get rolling right into it. This is our custom on the show. We uh, we tend to reminisce on our memories, obviously, with brand new mainstream movie. We can't do that. So I want to talk a little bit about the lead-up to Batman v. Superman. Harry, we'll start with you. Let's go back to 2013, a couple months after the opening of Man of Steel the announcement that the sequel to Man of Steel would be a team-up or versus movie with Batman versus Superman. Take us back to 2013. What are your memories about that? I believe it was partial
0: excitement, for sure. I mean, who doesn't want to see Batman and Superman in the same movie? Uh, We've been waiting for it for a long time. It's been done in the comics and done in animated movies, so hey, why not? But as we talked about in our podcast uh, i think it was episode five when we talked did our superman franchise take i didn't want it to happen this quickly and that was my hesitation because sure we'll get into it some of the plot elements from man of steel is continued into here which i personally believe still would be better represented in a direct sequel and i kind of wish they did the marvel route where they introduced you know everyone had their own solo flick and then they went into something and then they could have done batman and superman to kick off justice league and then justice league but I'll, i'll just leave it at that that's my my first take at it
1: so nathan what about yourself let's go back to the announcement in 2013 and ben affleck being announced as the new batman i initially remember being texted
2: by you holy shit are you are you seeing this And I mean, it was kind of an unbelievable announcement at the time. And I was super stoked. I mean, I some of my favorite comics as a kid were when Batman and Superman teamed up. And then when Affleck was announced, I had a strong negative reaction initially. And I kind of warmed up to the idea afterwards. And I will talk about it more. But I I think it worked out like I think I was more irritated by the fact that they just went out and picked him as opposed to saying, "Okay, let's bring in some people and and go through a a real casting process.
1: Okay, Uh, Andrew, what about yourself? I was certainly
3: definitely nervous when the announcement was made. And I similar to Harry, I was a bit surprised at the timing because they seemed to be moving really quickly following Man of Steel. And Man of Steel wasn't a huge success, I think, from Warner Brothers' perspective. But Ben Affleck, when he was announced, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I held off a little bit just because I didn't want to jump the gun because recent castings have actually been pretty good for both, I think, DC and for... Well, DC has only had the one. And for Marvel, so I was hoping that they they knew what they were doing But I definitely was one of those, like, oh, God, like, right off the
1: bat, sour taste in the mouth. I'll give you guys my thoughts. I I was uh, very excited, very happy that they had decided to go this route. I thought that they would would never do just a team-up movie with two. I thought that uh, they would, you know, do some of the solo movies if they could, bring it together for Justice League. I thought it was a great idea to bring just Superman and Batman together on screen. I, I remember an interview with Henry Cavill after man of steel had come out he had suggested in the interview somebody was talking about a justice league movie and he's like "Ah, that's probably a bit much to just jump into but maybe like a team-up movie batman superman and i was like oh that'd be an awesome idea and they'll never do it so when they announced that that's what they were doing uh, i was super excited when ben affleck was announced as batman i was i was just kind of perplexed you know i was like that's kind of an odd choice just because of who he is you know he's a he's a very recognizable name you know i was trying to to give it the objective viewpoint that it deserves. I kind of warmed up to the idea. You know, once I started seeing the photos of him in the suit and then the trailers, then I then I, I was warming up to the idea. So, you know, what about kind of leading up to the film? Uh, Nathan, why don't you give us your thoughts on, as we got closer, I mean, the movie was announced to be released summer 2015, and then it was uh, delayed almost a full year. We found out that Wonder Woman was also going to be a part of the film. When we're in that phase, what were your feelings that, at that point?
2: Well, I remember when the the very first photo of Gal—I think it's Gadot—is that how you pronounce your it, name, or is it? So I was going to
1: bring that up. It's actually Gal
2: Gadot. It's, Gal Gadot. Okay. Uh, it's, I, it's, I just—it's pronounced
0: Routh.
4: The
2: when the first photo came out, because I was actually that was another casting that I was like, whoa, 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 like this. The only thing I knew her from was from a couple of the Fast and Furious movies. And I honestly thought she was, you know, a five foot two hundred pound woman. I'm like, no, that's uh, wrong for for Wonder Woman. And then the first photo came out and it's like, okay, I'm. I can get on board for this. And then um, I remember I saw a trailer from San Diego Comic Con that was just Batman turning on the the bat signal and it pans up and it's got this cool ominous music and it's Superman, his eyes are glowing red. I mean, that all appeared in the movie eventually. But I mean, this was it was kind of a neat trailer. I really liked Ben Affleck carried himself as Batman. In that first trailer, there's a great shot of him just kind of ducking underneath something the suit looks mm. really cool and as time went on i i got you know more and more excited and and stoked i, I was a little disappointed that they delayed it by a year but it, it, well i mean what can you do i mean i i and then yeah as uh, just time went on i got more and more excited i think as reviews started to kind of trickle out and rumors started trickling out i became a little bit more concerned but I don't know, I was still I
1: was still very, very excited. Well, Andrew, what what about yourself? As we kind of lead up more to the movie, the trailers are getting released, you know, are are you getting more excited or less excited at this point? Just it, it
3: just looked like it was gonna be a visually stunning movie. The very first trailer that came out was also really good as well. And so I'm like, okay, this looks like they're actually going to be able to pull off a solid movie. And then the second trailer came out, and then that's where I just just went, Oh god, I think they completely gave away the entire movie. And I don't like what they gave away, even though like I was happy after seeing some of the footage of Wonder Woman like I was the casting seemed like it would be really good. But I really have a bone to pick with Warner Brothers marketing. I know someone who works at Warner Brothers and I spoke with her right after the trailer came out. And and honest to God, she just looked at me. She's like, I know, I know. I don't know what they're doing with this. This is not good right now because everyone was just floored at the trailer that came out. And it was the one that showed Doomsday. And I'm just like after that, it was like, I don't know what they can do to re- to redeem themselves. And so I was yeah. hoping and like they had elements in the trailer that were really cool. But there was just way too much that was given away that I knew would be bad. I tried to be as much of an optimist as possible up
1: until I watched the movie. But we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I think you're right. That, that, sec- that trailer did show absolutely it show it was the whole goddamn movie yeah uh harry what about yourself
0: yeah i agree with andrew i mean i agree with you guys i'm not a big fan of the dark knight returns story to begin with but it was still interesting
1: oh shows. sorry i think we lost i think we lost harry because
0: he just <laughs> said he didn't like the dark
1: knight return <laughs> well, I,
0: I think it's overrated garbage but that's just me
1: overrated garbage
0: garbage okay yeah i'll go back there. to my my, my
1: uh <laughs> i
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: just remember, uh, just remember okay. this will exist for, in, uh, for all all time, Harry. Just yeah. remember that. <laughs> usually, yeah. usually
0: it's the one person who stands out is usually the genius.
3: Harry, th- that's <laughs> never been you the entire time that I've known you. You've always been status quo. <laughs> Keep
1: the, uh, going, Cosmo.
0: No, uh, but I, I did like the first Comic-Con trailer. I said, okay, they're going in this direction. Makes sense. As more stuff came, I agree with Andrew. There are certain things that looked neat, certain things that made you go oh boy this may not be good and then yeah i agree with andrew in the sense that you know i hate it when trailers give big plot points and surprises away and they did that again even in the third trailer i don't want to give out away too much of spoilers right now or what my thoughts are what i liked and didn't like so i'll just leave it at that
1: fair enough boys well i think it's time to get into film itself batman v superman dawn of justice Eighteen months after Superman made Swiss cheese out of Metropolis with General Zod's face, opinions are split on the nobility of Big Blue's actions. Lois Lane, living up to her damseliest of all damsels and distressed, is is tracking down a story in the desert when she's captured by terrorists. Have no fear, though, because here's Jimmy Olsen, now a CIA operative, ready to free them both from the clutches of evil and... Oops, nope. Jimmy just got shot in the face. It's okay, though, because Superman swoops in to rescue Lois, but not in time to rescue the other terrorists who are all gunned down by one of their own. Primary among Superman's detractors is billionaire vigilante Bruce Wayne. He prefers his crime fighting with fewer laser eye beams and more rib-crunching spin kicks. And in the Snyderverse, he also has a weird branding fetish. Other opponents of Krypton's muscle-bound hero include Lex Luthor, a manic tech billionaire who dresses like a hipster Silicon Valley reject, And Senator June Finch, the only person in the proceedings so far with any sanity, she thinks things like truth and justice should also be accompanied by the law. Batman, the world's greatest detective, does some detecting and learns that weapon trafficker Anatoly Knazev has been in touch on the DL with Mr. Luther. Meanwhile, Luther is creepily trying to convince Senator Finch to help him import a strange green glowing rock retrieved from the Indian Ocean amidst the wreckage of the Kryptonian world builder. Seems this rock has adverse effects on Kryptonian tissue. He also wants access to Zod's body and the remains of the Kryptonian scout ship that's still double-parked in front of a Starbucks in downtown Metropolis. Finch doesn't dig Lex's request to import the alien rock, however, so he's going to have to take matters into his own hands. Bruce is still trying to figure out the connection between Luther and the arms dealer and uses an invite to Lex's swanky party at LexCorp to infiltrate his databanks. It must be some kind of superhero alter-ego party, though, as Bruce runs into none other than intrepid reporter Clark Kent, who is not a fan of Gotham's caped crusader, and antiques dealer Diana Prince, who isn't a fan of Bruce stealing Lex's data. Not without her getting a look first, anyway. Diana pockets Bruce's data drive and peels some wheelies in her sweet invisible jet. I mean, totally not invisible sports car. She can't do anything with the drive, however, so she gives it back to Bruce, who plugs it into the Batcomputer. Oh, the Batcomputer is like so slow. Do you see that progress bar? Time to catch some winks. He dreams of puppy dogs and rainbows and margaritas and bikinis. Oh, wait, no. He has a vision of the future in which the Earth lies in smoking ruin. And only desert action Batman, with sweet leather duster and goggles included, can save the world by stopping Superman. Bruce snaps out of the vision. But someone left the door to the Batcave open and let in this weird howling vortex through which we see none other than the Flash. He's from the future, and according to him, Bruce has always been right about him. It's about Lois. He's gone as fast as he arrived, and, and now finally the back computer is done decoding Luther's data. Looks like Luther is importing Kryptonite, and his plan is to weaponize it. And that gives him an idea. Meanwhile, Senator Finch is convening hearings on Superman's actions in Africa, and it's time for Krypton's last son to stand up for himself, face the music, and set the record straight about uh nope, Congress explodes. Killing everyone inside, except Superman. Lex Luthor was behind the whole thing, and the world is definitely not behind Superman. In fact, one concerned citizen is definitely in the opposite corner. Batman. He's busted into LexCorp and stolen the Kryptonite. He and Alfred construct an array of Kryptonite weapons in order to take down the Man of Steel, including a dope mech warrior suit. To execute the final phase of his plan, Luthor kidnaps Soup's his mom and holds her hostage. Either Superman brings Luthor the head of the Bat, or Martha Kent gets it. Superman doesn't want to fight. He can fly over to Gotham, buy Bruce a latte, and they can work this whole thing out. And so Supes, uh, Batman shoots Soups with a kryptonite gas grenade, and they throw down. The gas grenade is just enough to even the odds between them, but, of course, Batman fights dirty, and all that's left is for Batman to plunge the kryptonite spear he forged right through Superman's heart. Soups knows he's finished, and his last request is for Bruce to find Martha and save her. Oh, wait, did he say Martha? Bats is like, that's my mom's name. And Supes is like, that's my mom's name. And Bats is like, what? And Supes is like, I know, right? And they patch things up, and actually, it's really kind of sweet. Lois arrives and tells him that the Kryptonian scout ship is spitting all this lightning, but Clark's mom is still Luther's hostage. Batman sets to rescuing Martha while Superman heads to the ship to confront Luther. Batman finds the abandoned warehouse, because of course it's an abandoned warehouse, where Luther is holding Martha and redecorates the place with everyone's shattered bones. At the scout ship, Luther unveils his fallback plan, a giant monstrous creature created from the remains of General Zod in his own blood. Sorry, Superman, it's your doomsday. It's Kryptonian, which means all those awesome kryptonite weapons Batman just made are their only chance. Soups is like, I'll take, I'll shoot these kryptonite grenades at him, and Diana is like, I'll chop him up with my sword, and hey, wait a sec, who's the girl with the glowing lasso and armored bikini? Well, it looks like she's on the right side, at least. The three heroes combine their might and hold Doomsday just long enough for Superman to drive the spear right through its heart. But the monster takes the opportunity to murder punch Superman right through the heart with his bony protrusions where his hand used to be. I guess Zack Snyder must have promised to recast him after 300. Luther is thrown in prison where he gets a cute makeover in a comfy cell. Batman is there to warn him. He'll always be there no matter where Luther goes. But Luther turns around with a warning of his own. The bell has been rung and he's out there, whoever he is. At Clark's funeral in Smallville, Bruce and Diana ponder those words. Time to seek out the others, the ones like Clark and Diana. Maybe they can start some kind of super squad or something. I wonder what they should call it. The end. All right, well, that's Batman v Superman, gentlemen. Dawn of Justice. Harry, just uh, initial thoughts going on to the uh, plot synopsis. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's very comic booky, But, the, you know, the truth, justice in American way is in the details. So I really can't say any more, right? Because I mean, it sounds okay, just from what you said. couple curious things there that doesn't sound like it would work on paper, but it's all in the execution and it's all in the details. We need to know the context. We need to know the motivations. We need to know all that stuff. But you know, there are a few things in there that just sound really weird.
2: That synopsis—I mean, it sounds completely reasonable. Uh, <laughs> I just wonder if maybe maybe you should have written the movie. I love that you busted out desert action Batman because I think I actually have two Batman figures. That well, one was I think kind of the inspiration for that costume, and then I bought one of the Pop Funko. I think it's called Nightmare Batman, and mm-hmm. that's my favorite one. Yeah, it's like Harry said, it's very comic booky, which also, I mean, it's kind of a compliment, but it's also a detriment to the movie because there's so many things in this movie that unless you're a comic book fan, and we'll get into some of the details you didn't mention, a non-comic book fan would be sitting there. It's like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) You know, like, especially after that, like that whole flashback, well, I guess it's called the nightmare sequence that sequence is, I mean, it is crazy, right? I mean, is it just yeah. me? I'd like it. But if you don't know anything about the DC universe, what are you expected to make of that? There's also logic issues there, but we'll get to it. Oh, I, yeah. oh, there's so much in that nightmare sequence to parse. I mean that you could almost do a podcast just on that alone. The other thing about the synopsis, I mean, I, I even your synopsis has a Batman focus which is another issue I take with the movie, is that did Superman even say two words until an hour into the film? It felt like a a bat-heavy movie. Andrew, what about you? Your synopsis was great. I think it
1: had more humor than the entire
3: movie, actually. So I would gladly listen to that synopsis, given what was presented. I
1: I think a knock-knock joke has more humor than that entire movie, but (laughs) please continue.
3: Yeah, no, I'm still reeling from the gut punch from last week. So (laughs) it's got elements that are good, but I think anyone who is vaguely familiar with some of the stories that the movie is based upon still doesn't make much sense and that that's where it it sounds like and what it is when you watch the movie it just sounds like way too much happening in one movie that could have really and should have been split up into multiple movies leading up into this big celebration but we'll move on to something else before I yeah start
1: I'm just gonna drink more Never mind. (laughs) okay yeah have a sip while you do that I'll I'll uh, I'll hit you guys with uh, some trivia here just uh, some some numbers here so no real word on the budget of this film Uh, I read Estimates placing it anywhere from 250 million dollars up to 421 million dollars, not knowing what includes marketing cost. That's I think so a higher number. I think it's includes higher. Includes the marketing. No, but I think, that, think the it's higher even number. Higher than that. Yeah, well, the, the I mean, nothing's officially in. I think the you know the close to 420 million includes marketing costs so far after a week of release before its second weekend. It's at the time of this pot recording. Uh, it's taken in a, a little over 500 million dollars worldwide. So. Making inroads at the box office, you know, most uh, pundits are saying that it's going to na- need to make a billion for it to be considered a success. We'll see what the studio thinks, uh, and we can we can talk a little bit about that after. A couple of little uh, neat notes. Uh, the arms dealer there, played by Callan Mulvey, character name Anatoly Kanayazev. if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, that character in the Batman comics is known as the KG Beast, oh. which I know Nathan remembers. I remember KG Beast. I just didn't know that his, his real name. Yeah, so that's uh that's this guy here. Uh kind of a cool villain. Didn't have a whole lot of time. Isn't he supposed to be huge? Uh, uh yeah, I I guess if you're going to call him the beast, then I guess you'd have to say he was huge. He was uh formidable. He was just tall.
2: I
0: wouldn't call yeah. him formidable.
2: No, he no, wasn't like he... like Bane giant, but I mean he was like a like a large, well, large yes. I mean, but I mean all those like physical supervillains were all drawn kind of that, that same way
1: that's true the original batman versus superman almost got made in the early 2000s a script written by akiva goldsman whom i'm sure we're all fans of and uh, was going to be directed by wolfgang peterson a couple of early casting choices for superman The Cage, uh, jude law josh hartnett what's that i was saying i'm hoping the cage <laughs> oh the cage no that was that was nick the cage george clooney Make it happen.
2: Batman versus oh. Superman.
1: Man, oh, make it happen. I, I'm sure we, we, and we have brought that up on the show before. I mean, I know for sure we'd all love to go to the alternate universe where that movie exists. But this was going to star uh, Jude Law or perhaps Josh Hartnett as the Man of Steel. Early casting, casting. voices. <laughs> yeah, Well, Jude Law is a pretty good actor. I don't know if he's Superman. I don't know about Superman. Maybe Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Jimmy Maybe Olsen. Jimmy <laughs> Olsen. Early considerations for Batman, Colin Farrell, who honestly I could see in the role. Also, Christian Bale was also considered for the role at that point, and a couple of things I read is that kept him on the radar for the uh for Batman begins eventually, so kind of neat it, it uh it was green lit. Would have come out in the summer of two thousand four, but it it just fell apart. Budgetary considerations; it was going to be too expensive. Wolfgang Peterson went on to direct uh, Troy, and uh, Akiva Goldsman sort of wrote in a little Easter egg into his into the film he scripted. I Am Legend with Will Smith, where you can see a uh, poster for the movie in the background in Times Square, which has a Batman logo with a Superman logo in it, which is close to what we actually see with the real movie. So. Yeah, that's about it. So let's uh, let's get in. So in, in, any uh, any initial thoughts before we, we want to hit the film here? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure this is on everybody's Never. mind. <laughs>
2: Never. Never.
1: <laughs> I'm sure this is on everybody's mind,
0: but did we get a nip slip from Amy Adams? Oh my God.
2: I don't think so, and I was really looking, man. I yeah, was, we
1: were looking like, real close, dude. Yeah, Trust us. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the I most mean,
0: important I- thing that was on top of my head.
2: I've already stated my love for her on on your podcast when we talked about all the Superman movies before, but uh, it was weird because it was getting pretty close. It was getting pretty close.
1: I'm just glad that like here in the, you know, we're well into the 21st century and uh, (laughs) I'm glad that we can, we can have these frank discussions. (laughs) We can class it up a little with these, uh, these hard questions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're, We're not shying away here, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into the film here. I, I uh, was unable to find a version of the script or a or, uh, scene by scene, blow by blow, as we uh, normally do. So we'll do our best. And anybody wants to cut in with something that I've forgotten, please, please do. So Batman v Superman. So the film opens with uh zach snyder's take on the death uh, of thomas and martha wayne bruce wayne's parents never seen As that they, before zach snyder goes back to the original canon here where they're walking out of a theater having just watched the the mask of zorro this is an important piece of comic book lore let's let's talk about it a little bit how let's let's ask the questions how was this handled did it work for you did it not work for you let's start with uh, andrew what do you what do you think as much as I just joked that we've seen it before, I
3: thought the the opening was really good when it came to the just showing the backstory. They didn't spend too much time dwelling on it. I did appreciate the fact that they showed Negan from The Walking Dead a week and a half before he's actually going to debut this upcoming weekend. And along with Maggie from The Walking Dead, it was a nice yep. little yep. throw out to The Walking Dead fans. I actually thought it was very well done. I wasn't too disappointed when I first saw it. I was like, oh God, okay, we, we've seen this. But then walking away, I'm like, okay, that wasn't too bad.
1: Yeah, for sure. Two two characters there. Uh, you, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's actually been in shit before The Walking Dead.
4: Really? Uh, no, yeah, I, I don't know
1: if yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that Andrew but uh, uh Zack Snyder favorite for sure. Harry, what what did you think of this new take? I liked it. Interesting that actually
0: I forget the fa- like the father, forget his name now, the first name, but he actually makes the first stri- the first move, which is different yeah. than how it was in the Nolan movies. Because he actually tries to go for him, like he tightens his fist and he goes, looks like he's going for the gunner, going for a punch. That's what starts this. So it's interesting. Is it his fault now again? Yeah. So whether it's like, I guess it's destiny. It's funny whether through action or inaction, it's Batman's destiny. Regardless, right? He's gonna die. So I found mm-hmm. that kind of interesting. But I like that it's all done in the credits because that was a worry. I think we briefly touched on this in our previous podcast, saying that, you know, we're hoping it's not going to be bogged down with another origin storyline. And here they just kind of knocked it out of the park very quickly, very efficiently. I don't know if you wanna move into funeral, uh, where he yeah, we can enters yep. into the bat cave. I was the first what the fuck was happening when the bats were lifting <laughs> him out of the cave. I'm saying, no, this is bullshit. But because it turned out to be a dream sequence. I liked it and I, lo- I love the visual uh, from underneath as he's getting out of the well and he's making the shape of the bat. So that's that was pretty cool. So overall, I like this whole opening sequence here because it was done very quickly and had some interesting
1: ideas. Yeah, I, I had the exact same feeling with the bats lifting him up out of the well. I was like, oh, I, oh my God, we're in fucking trouble. But because it was a dream, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm all right with that. Uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, he's he's kind of, you know, he's got the arm spread as the bat. Also, perhaps a callback to the Christian imagery that we we had uh, talked about in Man of Steel, which I didn't love then, but uh, perhaps is a different, because uh, it's Bruce's dream. So he sees him, maybe he's seeing himself as the savior now, which I thought was, was interesting. Uh, Nathan, what, what did you think about the opening here? I'm
2: glad they kept it brief. It, like Harry pointed out, the fact that
1: Thomas Wayne is
2: making the first move, I don't know how I feel about that. Actually, not that I'm, you know, victim blaming here or anything, but uh, I don't know. It seems very macho, right? Which much of this movie is, right? I mean, like there's many well, parts. He's got of that this macho. Mo- Macho mustache, there. He's got to make the first move. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I'm surprised the mustache didn't try and punch out the. Uh,
0: but should I mean, have been a you know, Should we, have been a handlebar.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, what year would that? Have been? Well, actually, that's something I wanted to bring up. The other movie that was there was Excalibur. Yeah. Does anyone have any theories on why that very real and very specific movie was also playing at the same movie theater? I thought it was just a an odd reference. And a very specific reference, but I, I can't make heads or tails as to why it's there. Should have been Porky's, <laughs> dude. That's great, um, but yeah, I, I thought him making the first move was very macho, and and you know, I guess that's not very surprising coming from yeah, you know, uh, the ultimate dude, bro, uh, Zack Snyder. And of course, the end of the sequence. I my first thought when I saw him rising up with the bats, I'm like, this better be a fucking dream sequence, otherwise, I'm gonna lose my mind. Like, it, we're already at minute three, and I'm I'm about to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of softened on it a little bit, and I thought, oh, okay, all right, that's fine. I mean, this this movie is rotten with dream sequences, which we'll talk about.
1: Maybe some more trivia in The Dark Knight Returns when we see the depiction of the murder scene. Uh, and Harry, you mentioned like how he how his father made that fist that's actually captured in uh, a couple frames of the comic where he clenches a fist and is about to make a move and then the trigger is pulled and he goes down and also where we call we'll call him Joe Chill has his gun tangled up with Martha's uh, string of pearls and the pulling the triggers will snaps the string of pearls there so that's lifted directly from the Dark Knight Returns there so
4: I found it uh, interesting
0: kinda... that this now Joe Chill is a brown guy was he brown? I think so
4: oh boy <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey man i'm Brown. this is gonna okay. uh,
2: you know now i'm gonna feel weird bringing up my feelings of some of the racism that's in this movie now it's <laughs> well
0: i just it's adding on to the 9-11 allegory let's admit it guys hey
4: <sighs> okay.
1: okay. uh, well that's the show today uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, all right so as so we move past that we go to the site of the battle of metropolis where uh superman and zod are, are fighting only we get it from bruce wayne's point of view now. I just wanted to bring it up now. I I really liked sort of the caption on the screen there where it said whatever to the effect of, you know, the world's, you know, is introduced to the Superman. And Batman's always is is often referred to as the Batman, but I never heard of Superman referred to as the Superman. That played up what Zack Snyder's trying to been trying to do here, love it or hate it, making him the alien. So we see the uh the battle of Metropolis from Bruce's perspective. He uh, he lands there, runs right into into the fray. Uh trying to help out the uh, you know the victims of of this you can see the expression on his face he's definitely not not happy with uh, with this alien trashing the city again i think it's an important point we're not going to stop at every scene but i think this is this is important because we saw it earlier and, and we're seeing it from different point of view andrew what did what did you think of the battle of metropolis from from uh, batman's point of view here
3: I did like it as an introduction, but it's the beginning of, hey, I've already seen this in the trailer. I think it would have been a really cool intro to give that human perspective of the Battle of Metropolis. And you can see the elements of why Bruce Wayne is pretty suspicious of Superman's intentions. I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, I I I liked it to to start off the movie. But at the same time, you're watching it going, I already knew what was going to happen based upon
0: what the trailer showed me.
1: Yeah, fair enough. This is definitely spoiled in the trailers. Uh, Harry, what do you think? There's
0: a couple of really good sequences in this movie, and this was one of them. One of my hesitations was dealing with this plot point in this sequel, but I I did like this sequence regardless. It gave Batman a grudge or a worry, so there's a some part of a motivation there onto what's going to transpire later in the movie. But in terms of his hatred or his worry about having Superman on this planet and shows the divide as you talked about in your synopsis about, you know, did he save us or should he be here? He's, you know, he causes destruction regardless. So is it worth having a Superman around? So I liked seeing... This kind of perspective and and the, the damage that was done, even though we saw it in Man of Steel and in the trailers. But I just wanted to point out, like, is Bruce Wayne kind of a dick boss? Because his people were kind of waiting for his call, like permission to leave the building, no matter what the fuck was happening around them. It's like, oh no, we're staying here until the boss boss tells us we're allowed to leave.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> it's a given that he's a dick boss, isn't it? I mean... That's you actually either, one of the things just, I like about joke. his. That's just a joke.
2: <laughs> I, I kind of like his performance as kind of a bit of a sleazeball. So it almost uh, makes sense that he's kind of a hard ass boss. He's like, all right, you guys work to the absolute last minute. You got to get those papers filed, get those, you know, get those papers in and then you can go. Why was was
1: anybody leaving the office, even if there's aliens fucking battling in the street. <laughs> oh, wait, even if is- there's aliens
2: battling in the street, is the building actually coming down around you or is it just <laughs> yeah. kind of shaking a little? That's you know? the but, only reason he showed up is because he kept hearing these excuses like, fine, I'll check to see if yeah, there's a exactly. flying alien. Uh, he was running a lot of tight margins on whatever the business was, right? <laughs> He's got to keep him there as long
1: as possible. <laughs> yeah. He's got to pay for those fancy shoes, boys. It's, it's the stuff's not free. Yes. And that helicopter? Come on. As we kind of move on, we, we also get the, uh, the the knowledge that the U.S. government is not too pleased with the actions of Superman. So, you know, we get uh, the sequence in the desert where...
0: So before we uh, jump
1: to the desert, Jeff, so just another yeah. sequence here.
0: This is the where we find the diver in the Indian Ocean finding the kryptonite. So I wanted to talk about oh, yeah. this very briefly here. Okay. So obviously, it. It, to me, it was the machine from Man of Seal, the world builder. The question I have here is, why would they have Kryptonite on the world builder? Two things that come up in my head. One, would it not affect them to have Kryptonite on that world builder if there were people, Kryptonians on it, which I think there were. And two, didn't they say in Man of Steel they found this world builder on another planet after Krypton exploded? So, I mean, now we just have to assume that they found Kryptonite floating in space and they retrieved it. And then it came here. It shouldn't be there based on the events we saw in Man of Steel. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: You are correct that they found the world builder on another planet. The presence of the kryptonite. Yeah, it's not explained. It's it's there because it's there. So I don't know if if
2: this was I, I kind of doubt that the writers of this film actually thought about it, but it, it actually did remind me of some Superman stories where the kryptonite itself is actually not lethal to a Kryptonian unless they're on Earth. And that's I know that's a pretty weak explanation, but I seem to recall In um, the presence
0: of the our, our Earth sun.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I think when you have when you've soaked up the yellow rays of Earth's sun, then you're susceptible to kryptonite. But under any other circumstance, so I guess that when you're under the under a red sun, it wouldn't affect you. So I, I would assume then that the kryptonite did come from krypton and it's radioactive and might have been used as some kind of power source or for something else, and then it only would become lethal to a Kryptonian while that Kryptonian's on Earth. I mean, that's a pretty weak explanation, and I seriously doubt... I think I put more thought into it than the writers of the film, but that's kind of how I would explain it. Yeah, maybe it's best to just kind of move on from that. I mean, that
0: definitely... Just move on. Uh, It's not well explained.
1: Uh, The U.S. government, so they're you know the spearheaded by senator finch they're not uh, too happy with superman's actions we get the scene in the in the the sequence in the uh, in the desert so lois is chasing some story for some reason cuz reasons and she meets up with uh, these terrorists i guess gets captured and uh, this this poor bastard with a camera, we don't, he's never named, turns out to be a CIA plant. And boom, he gets capped. Superman rolls in to save Lois. There's an, ins- it's an inside job and everybody, all these terrorists get uh, shot by one dude. For some reason, Superman's getting blamed for the deaths of, uh, of all these guys, uh, villagers. Uh, people are testifying before Congress that Superman has uh, murdered all these people. Uh, so we we start to get the feeling that opinions are divided on on Superman. Is he a hero? Is he is he a villain? How did how did this play out for your for you guys here? I, I, I'm uh, Andrew. What about yourself? Here we get the scene in Africa with Lois Lane. Can she keep herself out of trouble for a change? What do you think? She seems to be at the wrong place at the wrong time for
3: the duration of all of these movies. <laughs> and I it felt just really rushed and forced. Like that's where like yeah, they're having discussions about whether or not like Superman can be trusted but this is taking place at this point in the movie 18 months after the events of Man of Steel I don't get why it would take 18 months for all of these discussions to happen or like what's been happening in the 18 months that kind of justifies them having these opinions about Superman after he pretty much saved the world minus you know destroying most of metropolis so it, it, the whole Jimmy reference too like I didn't notice that it didn't dawn on me until like a couple minutes after it happened I'm like wait a minute did they just kill Jimmy And then Superman just plowing that terrorist. And I'm pretty sure after you go through a number of layers of cement wall, you'd be dead, which is another little question mark when it comes to Superman. So it it was the beginning of that didn't make sense. And that was a very common thing that I was saying to myself throughout the duration and people next to me throughout the duration of this movie
1: they were just plaster walls. Okay, yeah, okay, no. yeah. like, he's totally
2: fine, I like, guess totally yeah, but fine. also remember that it was an indestructible battering ram that pushed him through that, those plaster walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah like, I mean, you, unless it's particle board, I, I don't know how well you're going to fare coming out the other side. The place was made by IKEA. What can I say? I can see
0: how
3: he could survive.
0: He's <laughs> his, fine. He's his brain fine. is mush you get, <laughs> just at the speed that Superman <laughs> propelled himself into that guy.
2: Yeah, they also don't show the sequence where he actually throws him into space.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you know what I no, want to do, Jimmy? You wanna know what no. I want to do it right now. I want to fucking high five Zack Snyder right now. <laughs> well,
0: okay, sure that, you
1: yeah. don't like Jimmy Olsen? Jimmy. That's fine, but
0: have respect for the character. You want to kill no. Jimmy? That's fine, but do it well, in a respectful. Respect. I don't know, man. This is you, you don't got, even name was a, You don't even name him. Like, what's the point? Yeah, so what's the point? Why make it Jimmy? He's just throwing it in there for the sake of throwing it in there. So he's talking about it. He's gleefully talking about it after the fact in interviews and stuff like that all over the internet. But he doesn't name him here. And, you know, why not just have Jimmy Olsen out there? Don't even address him at all. You want to leave him out, why kill him? Because he had it coming. Okay, well, if you <laughs> don't like Jimmy Five Olsen, years. that's fine. But there so are fans years. of Jimmy Olsen out there. I'm just saying, you're now playing with characters built into the universe that people will, you know, take issue with. I'm not a big oh, Jimmy Olsen fan. I, 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 I kind of can, agree I,
2: with Harry. It shows a like Zack Snyder's disdain yeah. for uh nerds. Like, you know, you know what nerds well, suck at. It it. Uh, Jimmy Olsen, it, <laughs> it has to do the well, <laughs> it has to do with
0: the material. These characters are part of this universe.
1: Well, I mean the Why not just, Batman them, of, just the leave Batman them? The Batman of zur R is part of the universe here too, but like they don't have they don't throw that guy in here. I mean, there's lots of superfluous characters uh, in the comic books, it just doesn't make him okay. I mean, Jimmy olsen has been fucking useless for decades. So that's fine,
0: you know so so,
1: so are you. What does that mean? what does that
0: oh. mean? Uh, oh. that made so much sense, <laughs> yeah, I'm
3: just
4: kidding.
2: <laughs>
0: saying we lose Harry again I yeah just all I'm saying is respect the material that's all
2: I think part of it it'd be one thing if they actually did do that I think what really twists the knife a little bit is Zack Snyder's offhanded like oh yeah we killed Jimmy it was a fun thing to do you know and just his like I said his disdain for the material I mean it'd be one thing if to kill Jimmy Olsen, sure, it's fine, but to kind of do it in this sort of fashion that speaks volumes about the man that they've handed the DC cinematic universe over to.
0: And I just want to bring up before you move on, I know you're going to quickly move on here, Jeff, is Superman, we talked to you, just said it, Superman killed a terrorist, fine, but he just lands, glares at him, growls at him, and then does it. There's no chance, there's no effort attempted in talking to this guy, effort into kind of saying you know back down there's no escape or anything like that it's nope as soon as lois gives him the okay you're toast that's it so again that's something when we say what's the evolution of the character from man of steel to this point 18 months later what has he learned i don't know that's something to talk about well
1: yeah i I guess i'm not of the i mean i'm not of the opinion that he killed a terrorist i mean are you the laws of physics the laws of physics aside no, I don't think he killed that guy. The only reason the why I think he didn't You're the only kill-
0: person on this planet who probably thinks he did not die from
4: that.
2: That guy's dead. I can sort of see Jeff's perspective on this, that, like, maybe that guy did not necessarily die. <laughs> 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 Harry, I agree with you, right? I mean, like... I mean, for all intents and purposes, he probably did kill that dude. But the other thing that's kind of confusing about it, too, is, you know, he has super speed. The the filmmakers don't understand what that means. It means you can kind of take out a guy very quickly before you can blink an
1: eye without having to destroy him. Exactly. Oh, yeah, he could definitely do that. Yeah. But I, I don't think the movie suggests. I mean. The laws of physics suggest that, that guy's dead, but I don't think the movie suggests that that guy's dead. I kind of agree with you, Jeff. But I, I
2: think the one thing that we're kind of missing from this whole sequence is sort of the weird racism over this whole couple of sequences, because at that Senate hearing to have that one woman talking to the senator, do these people think that Superman shot those people? Because it, again, I, I think it's weirdly racist, but it's almost saying, oh, these you know backwater black people don't know what superman's powers are because who would think that superman shot terrorists he would, you know, he would have thrown them into space or punched their heads off or incinerated them. This is the thing that's very confusing. Why did they think that Superman had anything to do with those deaths?
0: And they don't even bring the question up. So, I mean, like, yeah, no, they don't really. Yeah. They like, don't even obviously it's a setup say, say that. Killed yeah. It's obviously oh, yeah, a, it's a setup. Say. And anyone with a half a brain would think actually, you know, at least 1% chance, as Batman said, it might be a setup. So we have to approach it as an absolute certainty. So let's investigate this. So, you know, nobody brought that question up. And then even Batman can't be seen. He's being set up later. We'll get into that. But anyways, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: But this is where I thought, like, I, I honestly felt like that it was a little bit racist because, oh, it's these people in an undisclosed desert region that... Oh, they don't – how could they possibly know what goes on in the world? I mean if you live on the same planet as Superman, you know what his powers are and you can probably come to the conclusion that he doesn't shoot people. Regardless if he actually does kill people, he doesn't shoot them at the very least. I figured he just
1: flew that guy to the hospital really quickly.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that one guy. But but they were talking about
1: the other – No, no. I, yeah, in, they were talking the about all the, all the deaths. Yeah.
2: And they never yeah. actually – I don't think they – That was the other weird thing about that Senate hearing It's like, oh, we hold him responsible, not he murdered people and he has to be held accountable for that. He's like, we hold him responsible as though, you know, he, you know, toppled a a, a house or something like that. I mean, like it's just and that's the other thing. This sets off the whole kind of movie and there's a million different ways you, you could have set that up i mean i think demolition man had a better setup it was actually the same thing where they like tricked stallone and or made it look like he killed a bunch of people and, and that was a more realistic way of depicting it because this is obviously a luther setup so why have it's just so lazy i thought
1: no, i agree yeah fair enough so let's uh, let's move past so we get to the introduction of, of the batman we get a feel for batman what his his style is in this universe Our first glimpse at the Batcave. Nathan, what did you think here?
2: I thought it was a kind of a cool sequence. Sort of the way it ends with, or like the one in, like in the house with the cop, you know, trying to shoot him. I mean, that was kind of kind of a weird CGI Batman, which I thought yeah. was odd. Yeah. I kind of liked how the women didn't want to be lit out of the cage because, like, you know, it's still in the building. You know, great little moment there. But the the branding thing, which you know, we got to talk about that. I mean, it, it, that. Yeah, let's part talk was about weird.
1: the branding thing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, well not only her. is it
2: it's weird, but it's also confusing as to why when you're in prison it's a death sentence. I mean, you'd think it'd be more of a badge of honor. I'm so badass that Batman had to take me down. That's what yeah. I think. And I'm too. still standing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I He's i actually helping that.
0: these criminals.
2: That's kind of the weird <laughs> thing is that I could sort of see that, you know, if Batman exclusively took down human traffickers and rapists and child molesters, then yeah, okay, they're going to get what's coming to them in prison. They don't really explain. Like, there's a bit of connective tissue here that's missing as to why this is a bad thing to have on you not necessarily opposed to him actually doing it but and they never come back to it it just kind of happens you know it was in the trailer and stuff like that and this is also one of the things that makes Superman say oh hey Batman's a bad dude but uh, aside from the the branding I thought the initial reveal of you know we see this new Batman in action we see the new the new Batcave i thought it was a you know good introduction
0: yeah i like the setup the the girls being all scared to let, uh, be let out and stuff like that i just felt that his intro when you get a, such a quick glimpse of him was just i like the way he moved even though it was mm. very CG, cgi obviously but i mean that's kind of how batman's supposed to move He he has the ability to do that and the gadgets to do that so i like that it's just i wish again an opportunity to introduce a character a little bit more epically you know, like in a more of an epic scale. Here, it's just, he's just there. And then he leaves. So kind of a little... I think Zack Snyder
2: is completely incapable of introducing any character epically. Because that was one of the problems with Man of Steel as well. He just kind of, oh, you know, I'm just going to take a stroll out in the snow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, again, just it didn't feel like I like the setup. It just from there, it didn't it didn't have the payoff, in my opinion, for his first scene, even though he has... Some okay, uh, good sequences later as Batman. Uh, as for the cave, I wrote, I kind of noted down here, it's definitely different, and I get that you need to do something different without copying previous iterations, but I felt that the cave was a bit bright and luxurious. It seemed a little odd for Batman, who'd probably want to be a little bit more in the dark and scowling and, you know, contemplating his demons and just reliving his nightmares over again. I thought it was very bright. I did like, you know, you get to see Alfred the first time, and I thought Jeremy Irons was awesome. Uh, I like their interactions there. And then, again, going back to the branding, where Alfred mentions, it's uh, new rules. He says it's this is what starts turning people cruel, because he says, oh, now the presence of aliens and Superman is uh, making him feel a little inadequate, and feeling of powerlessness, and it turns men cruel. So, funny, he's letting Superman change who he is. Probably a natural thing, but is now Batman so easily changed by just the presence of somebody. And I guess you can argue because he went through what he did in Metropolis with all of his, his building and seeing all that destruction that definitely would affect somebody, but would it affect Batman? Interesting question. That's all I just put down. I like these scenes.
1: Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's an interesting question you bring up there. I mean, and, and yeah, the introduction of Jeremy Irons as Alfred, I, I, I love that line too. The, you know, the, it turns good men cruel. I. I and that's such an overarching theme of the of the film. There, I think that's really important. Would he be affected, you know, so greatly by that? I mean, I think definitely he he would be. I mean, he's he's already turned cruel. I, I think uh, that's sort of the impression that I got. You know, I mean, he's a scary dude. He's this messed up shit. So you get a messed up guy seeing some really messed up shit. He's just gonna go. He's just gonna go further into that into that darkness. There, Andrew. What did what did you think here of uh, the introduction of of the new Batman, the cave, and and Alfred?
3: Well, the branding I, I wanted to touch upon really quick, because I think the branding, if you've played like the Arkham, the Arkham games, it may be hinting at the fact that like Batman always gets people to talk. And so like if you've been caught by Batman, he's broken something that caused you to spill something that people don't want out. So if you get caught in jail with that Batman branding, perhaps it's an indication that you're a squealer and you basically told all the secrets. It's just one hypothesis.
0: Oh, I
2: like that explanation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind that- of interesting.
3: I just, I'm. Not, it's not something that I was thinking about at that particular
2: point in time. And like, I think, I think all four of us are have thought more about this movie than the writers. Again, I'm just going to put that. <laughs> out there. Oh, Well, it's it's interesting because I really like the sequence.
3: Like, I really like how it was mysterious with Batman. I like the Batcave. I love Jeremy Irons as Alfred. He was much better than I thought he would be. But then. Looking back on it now, hasn't Batman been around for a couple decades? This 20 is, years
1: in Gotham, how many good guys are left? Yeah, so for me,
3: it's like this would have been a perfect introduction for Batman when he first appears. But it's like everyone's freaked out about Batman. But if this mysterious character has been going around for 20 years capturing Gotham's greatest villains, and quite obviously Commissioner Gordon would have played a part in this, hopefully, unless Zack Snyder had his way. Like, I don't know why they'd be so fearful of the Batman 20 years later.
1: I'll tell you why because he's really scary. <laughs> oh, he is, and like, perhaps are you he- telling me if that dude showed up and he's hanging in a corner of your wall there, and you had done some bad shit, you're scared, you're you're peeing your pants? Andrew, tell me you're not.
3: Uh, well, I'd be flattered that someone let themselves into my apartment because that would be like <laughs> one of the first visitors I've had in a long time, and we're like, "How's it going?" But no, it just it seemed like there was a lot of fear. And don't get me wrong, he's a scary guy, but he's got twenty years of material behind him like he's someone that you'd think had earned the trust of the city yet here it is like they're presenting him like he'd never appeared in front of anyone before
2: i think there's an element that of the batman that people think well he he's unstable true right i I think that's always sort of been an element of the character i mean there's a certain suspension of disbelief i get where you're coming from i see where you're, you're coming from that maybe in gotham they should trust them more. But I, I think there's a, an element that it says like he's a little unstable and potentially dangerous.
3: And I see your point like too, and I, I compare it also to Dark Knight Rises where he was gone for such a long time. He came back and the cops that were chasing after him just had no idea what Batman, granted he had a story to it, but there just wasn't any explanation like whether or not Batman has been operating for 20 years, whether or not Superman brought him out of the shadows and now all of a sudden Bruce Wayne's got a complex and he's got to start being a little bit more aggressive to get more of the limelight. I love the sequence, but it was another one of those like, I don't know how this makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a little inconsistent. Like I kind of wish they played Batman a bit more still of a myth, even though like the police know about him, criminals kind of. Think he's out there, but they're not sure. But you know, everybody seems to know who he is, right? Maybe even Perry doesn't give a shit. Ah, fuck Batman let's
1: let's focus on football
0: you know so yeah yeah, i agree i i wish they had played up the
2: myth a little bit more
1: you know what i I mean i i thought it was kind of cool i mean when when we get into the we just kind of go to the case there where the with the human trafficking and the you know the the women are all scared like they're like no we're not just close the cage we're we're cool like we're not we're not leaving here they're they're scared i i mean i i was good with it i know that I know that their intention was to play up the fact that he's, that, you know, Batman's still sort of, a, he's still, you know, he's operating in the shadows and and isn't a really, he isn't entirely a known quantity. And in the, you know, in the real world, that's hard to buy. But I think they're trying to balance that with, if you read the comic books, I mean, he's... You know, he's operating for decades, really, and, and but he's still ha he's still able to command that that fear, that mysticism. You know, he's this, you know, the people aren't sure if he's a supernatural being or or what. So I thought it kind of worked there. I like the look of the Batcave. I I think Harry, you're you're right there. It's pretty it's pretty clean and for lack of a better word, sort of swanky. I mean it's not it's not dirty and run down. I, I think you're absolutely right there. But I mean that being said, I don't know, I guess the only thing to really helps roost it up would be a a giant coin and a and a a statue of a t-rex yeah Yeah.
2: i was really hoping they would have that That to be perfectly honest
1: or a nod to that would have actually been pretty cool but one thing we um, didn't really talk about was the robin costume okay well let's talk about the robin costume then uh you nathan you brought it up you get first crack well i i just
2: wanted to say that i i like the fact that we don't dwell on it you know we just kind of have that and and I know it, it. we don't see it till a little bit later, but the Wayne Manor and the way it's all burned out. I mean, these are nice, just little tidbits of the backstory of Batman, who's been in this world for a long time. And we just we see it, you know, show, don't tell. A great thing in movies, no exposition on it. I think it's a great little scene that can gives you a little bit of backstory of, you know, the the pain of Bruce Wayne's life.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I loved the addition of that Robin costume. I thought that was I thought that was fucking fantastic how they portrayed that with the graffiti on it. I thought that was yeah, great. I, I, Although I the fact I that, that,
2: that it's great. the shorts, like it's it's like classic Robin shorts, which is yeah, like,
4: that's true. Odd
1: choice. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, it's true. He hasn't worn those shorts in many decades. Maybe he wore leggings under that, and they just couldn't figure out how to put it up. I don't know. <laughs> could could be, yeah, could be, yeah, Hard to say. But uh, I mean, overall, the look of the back gave I thought was still. I thought it was sensible, though. Like it wasn't overly swanky. It was just, it just, it it felt okay to me. But I think Harry has a good point there. Jeremy Irons as as Alfred, one of the highlights. He's so good. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to give Jeremy Irons anything. You just show his face for a few seconds. Like, oh man, Jeremy Irons is so great in that movie. Did anybody else think that maybe Jeremy Irons Alfred
2: was not even really there he was just a figment of Bruce's imagination <laughs> cuz he
1: doesn't interact with anybody else That's true he doesn't without an actual mansion who is Alfred going to interact with I guess <laughs> No I mean who is he going to interact with Well I mean
2: Bruce Wayne did have that girl over at I mean because there was sort of a weird moment where
1: Hey for all uh, the we saw Bruce Wayne gives in that- him coffee all the movement we saw to that girl in Bruce Wayne's bed—she could have been a doll for all we know. Yeah, well, exactly. she could have been dead, actually. She, she, was was dead. Dead. <laughs> she was branded. Yeah, she <laughs> was branded. For sure. Yeah, and then he dumped the body
2: right in the lake. There—that's that's, <laughs> that's uh, the Batman in uh, a website I read all the time. They uh, they uh, called this now the DC Cinematic Murder Verse. <laughs>
1: so everyone just gets murdered. Well, how about we get into Luthor? Yeah, or let's Luther, let's yeah. talk about Lex Luthor. Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Harry. I'm going to give you the honor of getting out your science kit and dissecting this.
0: You know, obviously he was, you know, like with the trailer shown, a lot of fans were a bit worried. You have to do a new take. And I'll just say this about what Jesse Eisenberg did, is he brought it all like he didn't stop. He went in one direction and he said, I'm going for it. So props to him for going for it. It just didn't work, in my opinion. In his first introduction introductory scene here when he meets the senator, I thought like his early scenes were not too bad, I and mean, I was hoping it would continue in that direction, but I thought it just as the movie went on it got a bit worse and a bit worse with his, you know, ticks and nuances and his insecurities and, and all that stuff, as you talked about like the Silicon Valley dropout, hipster doofus kind of character, um, as we thought he would go. I I didn't really like where it ended up. The funny thing is, I'll give you a little tidbit here or trivia I think his first words, what in the movie was "Ahoy, hoy, He, he chatted Mister Burns. <laughs> <laughs> so I did like that. I got, I was. I was looking for more.
3: More birds. I was just really, really hoping that, like, we kind of knew what we were getting with Jesse Eisenberg. I was hoping that the way that he was portraying this version of Lex would be a cover, like it would just be like a way to make his eccentric behavior hide the fact that deep down inside like he's an evil guy which we know he is but his personality didn't change from how he was portraying himself to everyone versus like how he was when
1: he was being all diabolical
3: and it really bugged me like it just it wasn't lex and i think
1: that's not as we've ever seen him before anyway not really
3: correct And and i appreciate someone trying to take a different spin on it but we're also putting like this is one of the most iconic villains of comic book history and you don't go completely off the board in order to make it unique and it just it wasn't i think what the movie needed
2: one thing i do agree with harry for sure is that i mean he went for it there were scenes i thought worked and other ones uh did not i thought the initial meet and greet with lex fine but then later on at his gala or whatever the hell it was i mean it was it just became bizarre. I thought it was interesting, though, that they made him, you know, millennial Silicon Valley type because they kind of did a a similar transformation on Lex Luthor in the 80s where the businessmen were now evil. And now, you know, sort of there's a lot of kind of uh, pushback against uh, tech giants and their their gentrification of California and such. And so now now this is Lex Luthor. He's just a tech billionaire. Which I think that idea kind of works, but the performance here is completely uncontrolled. But not like in a the character is on I just mean like there's no direction on the character at all.
1: Yeah, I like Jesse Eisenberg, and uh, conceptually, this idea of Lex Luthor as the you know younger sort of Silicon Valley type uh, tech genius uh, concept works for me. Ugh, this Lex Luthor did just didn't hit for me. I thought it was terrible. He really pulled me out of the movie. So let's just move on from this fucking guy. And how about Holly Hunter as Senator Finch? I mean, we're you know we're we're getting into the U.S. Uh, Senate stuff. She is calling she is calling out Superman at this point. Truth, justice, and the American way, which she stands for as well. And I think that she isn't sure that he stands for the same thing. How about this character? She's playing off of Lex more than anybody else here. Andrew, what, what did you think of Polly Hunter here? I think I turned and whispered to my friend, like, that's Elastigirl. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so it was. I like the initial introduction of the character, like, showing the the skepticism of the public and the government and whether or not, like, Superman is someone that they can trust. And so I appreciate the buildup and someone like Holly Hunter, like it, she's a great actress. So the beginning introduction of the character, I was certainly hooked and I wanted to see more of how it was going to evolve, but we didn't get to see much of her. So it was a little bit of a yeah. letdown. I think she could have been leveraged a lot better than she was, but it showed, I think, a pretty good insight into how the government was really questioning the the actions of, of Superman and for her to also go toe to toe with Lex Luthor and like kind of say it's like, we're we're not going to let you export the, the kryptonite. Like She was a character that you could see being pretty formidable, but then ultimately we just kind of cast aside in
1: a Zack Snyder way. I liked how they, they took the concept where, you know, she's definitely not pro-Superman, but, you know, when Lex is trying to convince her to import uh, the kryptonite to weaponize it so, you know, they can protect themselves and all of that, she's not for that either. So she's... She really wants to get to the truth of the matter, and she isn't, uh, you know, partisan on on either side here. And I, you know, I thought that was, I thought it was interesting to throw in. And you're right; she's kind of, she's kind of thrown away. Uh, well, we'll get to that. Let me say one thing, Jeff.
0: She is yeah. the only true hero in this superhero movie. Well, in in what way? Elaborate. Well, in, in my opinion, she is the one who's not only fighting for truth fighting for justice because she wants superman to come and answer for his crime not crime, but at least answer to the victim. She wants yep. him to work. She's saying uh, in other interviews, as you get later on in the movie, she's saying uh, like people are interviewing her on the TV and she's saying, or they're saying, well, do you think Superman should be here? I think it was Charlie Rose who was asking and she goes, well, he's here. And then when she, when he visit, when he actually comes, he says, we need to work together. And you cannot work unilaterally. We live in a democratic society. You have to still work with the governed bodies. Can't just act independently. Valid questions. I loved all of these scenes. She was the only one who was speaking rationally and sanely. And looking to do the right thing. Which is what I come back to in saying she's the only hero in all of these characters.
1: No, you think you're absolutely right. And uh, you know, as I said sort of before, she's kind of the only one who's who's sane here. I mean, she's the one who is asking the right questions. She's going through the process. Uh yeah, I thought I thought it was a great a great addition to the point. It's actually it's a shame that, you know, those threads are threads aren't really dropped. They're just are sort of sliced off to make room for the rest of the film here so you know we have some interactions between lex and and senator finch here he wants to import the uh, the kryptonite uh, they know that it can affect kryptonian dna he wants to weaponize it uh he wants access to general zod's body he wants access to the scout ship that's still uh, basically crashed in, uh, in, in metropolis there at the same time uh, batman is trying to figure out uh, what's going on with luther the arms dealer He's trying to figure out a way to infiltrate LexCorp to try to get the information. Alfred conveniently uh, lets him know that he's invited to Lex's party. Here we go. Uh, okay, before we get the... to Lex's
0: party, I just well, how about right. we just touch base? I think we're cutting back and forth a couple of times because, you know, I know Clark Kent will approach Bruce Wayne at the party. I think you get one or two scenes of Clark and Perry arguing at the Daily Planet. So you want to... Yeah.
1: Talk about any of these Daily Planet scenes here? I think we should talk about some of the Daily Planet scenes here. Uh, you know, one that was just kind of spoiled in the trailer there where Perry kind of has that line, you know, nobody cares about Clark Kent taking on the Batman, which is one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. Yeah, why don't you start us off? Delve into the the scenes here. As, how's Clark Kent as a reporter?
0: Well, I mean, it's a it's a different take. I mean, it just shows the kind of persona who Clark Kent slash Kal-El slash Superman is and also who perry white is i mean perry white's the boss so he's gonna be walking around talking trash and talking shit but i disliked both these characters clark kent and perry white perry white is a bit more of a reasonable guy he seemed in the origin in the man of steel here he just seems to be shouting very aggressive very confrontational and the same with clark kent they're just kind of batting heads all the time and even Perry's batting heads with Lois all the time. I mean, that's okay, because that's part of the characterization. It's just the tonality here and the context. I felt it was even more aggressive. And I, I found that kind of shocking. I found that hit both Perry and Clark were dicks. Because Clark is right, <laughs> but he's going about it the wrong way. I mean, you're going to your boss. He's asked you to do an assignment. Fine, why don't you do your assignment and still do the story on Batman? How many fucking words can you type up fast? You could probably do a billion words a minute. So why don't you do your story? Sure and then also still work on your Batman. Instead, he's saying, fuck you, Perry. I'm not going to be working on any of this shit. I'm not even going to tell you I'm not working on any of this shit. I'm just going to be wor- looking at the Batman. And I found that very strange. It's a new take on Clark Kent. I don't think I like it.
1: So, like, obviously, he's not the mild-mannered reporter here because he's—you he be modern. Uh,
0: you can be a modern Clark yeah. Kent and still be a nice guy and still do your job. You don't need to be bumbling or mild-mannered like mild yeah. manner to the you know the extreme you can kind of have that new modern take but here he, the modern take is that he's a dick and
1: he doesn't do his job yeah this is really the only look we get at clark kent as the character here outside of kalel or superman okay so you think he's a dick do you think he's at, he's putting on anything for his alter ego here is he taking the disguise of clark kent i don't think at so at all no not at all it's not portrayed that way
0: no. contextually it's not there
1: I mean, I think I agree with you there. It, there is no doesn't seem to be any difference between this Clark Kent and and Superman. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, I
2: don't I don't see any characterization of of Clark Kent, the mask of Clark Kent. You know, I thought Clark Kent was supposed to be the type of, or the fastest typist that uh, Perry White had ever seen. <laughs> That's obviously not the case here. I mean, it would have been nice to see him try to push this story while still doing the job that he puts forward. But I thought it was very bizarre that Perry White is like, no, like that doesn't sell newspapers. I mean, he, he kind of sounds like a weird, desperate newspaper man just trying to keep the Daily Planet afloat in the 21st century. But I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's kind of expected now with this type of universe is that we're not going to get the mask of Clark Kent. You know, it's kind of unfortunate. But I mean, I think what they've what they decided on was that we don't know how to do this character, so Clark Kent, or Superman, is just going to be Superman with a pair of glasses on now. Well, and We'll just make do. We'll just have scenes
1: with him.
0: I want to throw another another wrench into, into this. I know I'm jumping the gun almost to the end, but because we're talking about Clark Kent's mask, does Lois not give it away later on that when she says, I need a helicopter, and she says to Perry... I need to go to Gotham because I need a helicopter. And he goes, "No, no, it's, we don't need the story." She goes, "It's not for a story." And Clark Kent's missing this whole time. Superman's battling over there. Would Perry not obviously know that Clark Kent is Superman?
2: Who fucking point? knows anymore at this <laughs> with this movie? I you mean, know, everyone. It's I think everyone just knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. They just nobody wants to say it. And this is really jumping ahead, but like at the very end of the movie, it's like, "Oh, Superman dead. Turn the page." And Clark Kent's you know. Dead. Uh, <laughs> Clark Kent, our, a
4: whole
2: you know, the whole page, <laughs> the one, the one, uh, yeah, exactly, uh, the a one page casualty. dedicated to the our reporter who died, who also looks like Superman. I mean, it's you know, it's just ridiculous. But how okay, about Andrew? So let's...
0: Andrew? How about you just chime in quickly on uh, what you see with Clark Kent and Perry White and Daily Planet stuff? It was totally off character, exactly how you guys
3: described it. It, it just it highlights, and I know Nathan uh mentioned this earlier, where, like it was a lot of focus in this movie about Batman when leading up into the movie's release, I think Zack Snyder had pretty much said to people that this was like Man of Steel 2. And here you are seeing an out of character display for both Perry White and Clark Kent, which we hope is out of character for both of them. there's not much explanation and it it really is just superman with glasses and that's not how we've been used to clark kent that's not who he is and perry white being a dick like granted he was funny and like it was the he was probably the most funny character in this movie which is saying something it just it was out of character for for both individuals and that's where i would have loved to have seen this explored a lot more just his relationship with people at the daily planet
1: well hold on though i I'm sorry, I don't want to dwell too much, but we did not at all get any characterization of Clark Kent in Man of Steel. He had basically one scene with the glasses on at the Daily Planet. Yeah. so it's not necessarily out of character this is all we've seen of him in this universe and and Perry white being concerned about selling papers is exactly what a you know a managing editor would be concerned about especially in the age of uh, digital news where yeah they even say it like nobody's buying newspapers anymore so part of the problem is you know newspapers themselves are kind of anachronistic at this point and they're trying to run it but it's so core to Superman that they they got to try to figure it out and and I I mean I actually enjoy this kind of this this uh, this interplay between the two of them. I thought uh, Lawrence Fishburne brings uh, a really interesting dimension to to Perry White because he's he's trying to keep this thing afloat. He's still trying to be a good man, but like shit, we gotta sell some papers. Otherwise, we're all in the street, and it doesn't fucking matter anyway. Well, no, I you know, sort of disagree there. I agree that, yeah, he's trying to keep it
2: afloat, which is a very realistic take, but I don't get the sense that he's saying, okay, let's still tell real news. You don't think he's trying to still tell real news? Not really. I mean, what indications do we have that he, you know, he's like, let's dig up the truth on certain
0: things? He's still. Well, no, but he's never been that guy. At the same time, though, like Batman has been around for 20 years. So, yeah, exactly. He probably doesn't. Yeah, it's, not it's, news. it's not new news, right? So OK, fair enough. I, yeah, I fair would enough. say that's but I think what I want to just drop this thread and, I, and we can move on. But I think this was an opportunity here. And it's briefly touched upon that a major philosophical difference between who Superman is and who Batman is and how they operate. Problem here is, is there really as philosophical differences because they're both downright u- uber violent. So and and this is where Clark yeah. was starting to say, okay, well, you know Batman's a problem. he's an issue in society and he wants to approach Bruce Wayne and stuff like that or Batman himself because he knows probably he's Batman, but I think is a bit mixed here. It was a good starting point, but they didn't follow through properly.
1: They didn't really follow through, but uh, I think there's an interesting concept here it is you know Clark views himself as operating in the light like everything he does is transparent where Batman's operating in the shadows it's not exposed you know obviously batman's view is that you know superman operates without any oversight and he has enough power to destroy the entire planet if he wanted to right so for from batman's point of view it's more about power and accountability and from superman's perspective it's more about transparency so I mean, these are interesting issues that aren't really explored unfortunately so we'll yeah. just uh, as as the filmmakers did we'll just gloss over that and move on yeah we're at the we're at the party so bruce arrives bruce obviously uh, is is there to infiltrate luther's data bank's Actually, I thought this was interesting here, where Alfred's talking to to Bruce in the in the headset, and Clark can hear them. He's like, "Is like his ears perk "What the fuck is going on here?" I love that. I love the look at Henry Cavill's face. there. like, "Totally unexpected." What's going on here? You know, Bruce puts the uh, the hard drive or his whatever magical download device uh, on Lex's hard drive, which is easily accessible through the kitchen back door, and Lex's weird speech, and then we get the we get the meeting between. Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, the entire exchange of which was revealed in the trailers, but what are you going to do? Nathan, tell me what you thought of, you know, Clark realizing that Bruce Wayne is up to no good and the meeting between these two characters. Zack Snyder does
2: not appear capable of giving us like truly dramatic moments because it, you know, it's the big meeting between these two characters and from the trailers, it almost seemed as though they may know who each other are but i don't really think that's the case here i mean you can maybe make an argument that superman okay maybe this guy's batman or some, but i mean there's i don't know that it's kind of weak uh, case for it i do like their animosity towards each other like right from the get-go but uh, this seems a little confusing because i mean you know bruce wayne's going downstairs repeatedly and nobody's stopping him and Jesse Eisenberg's speech is very bizarre. It's a very unusual scene. I mean, I was more interested in seeing Wonder Woman more than anything else. Uh,
0: yeah, Eisenberg Luther's uh, speech was terrible. Every time the more you see him, the more he's just acting it up and playing you know, with these ticks and nuances, and it's just a little weird for me. doesn't work. I found it interesting that Bruce did not have a date to this uh, event, and you know, it's something interesting that they never played up the Playboy, I know he was sleeping with a girl or a doll, as you've pointed out, Jeff, <laughs> but I found it interesting that they didn't play up this angle harken back to every other Batman movie. I mean, more in Batman begins for that trilogy, and then you talk about Batman and you can you know the other Batman movies with Clooney and stuff like that or whoever else uh, they always had him play up that Playboy role as his mask, and here I felt that they didn't not only did they not even give him a date or show him that he's really, really like a playboy. But I felt that his mannerisms was not really all that different between his true self with Alfred and how he is as Batman a little bit and how he is here. I didn't really feel that they played. There's a lot of differences and nuances there. It was just, it's just him and that's it. I don't know if you guys agree. I didn't find that there was a lot there from Ben Affleck.
1: Well, in this context, though, I mean, you're right. He, he's he's basically, he's Batman in this in this sequence here, but he is on a mission at the same time. So I, I don't know if he feels he needs his cover at this point. It, it didn't really bother me. I, I mean, I, I kind of want to talk the, about the interaction between Bruce and Clark at this point. I mean, I know what's spoiled in the trailer, which is a real fucking shame because it would have been nice to just have it in the movie. But, you know, forgetting about the trailer and just, Taking the movie on its own, I really, really love this interaction between the two because they're talking about the other's alter ego in their alter ego. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, Clark's talking about how you know Batman is uh, violating civil liberties, and Bruce is talking about how you know Superman could just burn the whole place down if he wanted to. I I really like that. Totally, totally ruined when Jesse Eisenberg comes in with the inexplicable, "Oh, Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent." Like, why the fuck did he? come come? come in and do that i mean that was that was they They should have just left that in the trailer well you know what it makes no sense it makes no sense and i was hoping i was like you know what doesn't make sense probably it's not part of the movie they're gonna cut that out because it doesn't make sense and they didn't cut it out so i was really disappointed that they left that part in there that was stupid but before that i thought that was really great andrew what what was what are your thoughts here in this uh, little exchange
3: Uh, it definitely seemed like one or both of them knew who the other was and so I like that subtle animosity between the two of them and a way for them to have repartee without being in their said costumes and so the interaction was really good I liked Harry's suggestion that maybe he should have had a date which could have been cool had it been Wonder Woman and her way of getting into the party was to somehow ask Bruce Wayne to ask her out I don't know but it was another. Interesting. It would have played up on the the interaction between the two of them, and, and I liked the the interplay between Bruce Wayne and, and her. But it was another example of a sequence in the movie where you're like, this has such great elements, and then Lex Luthor shows up. You're like, no, 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 just go, just go away. I'm I'm having fun with this, and it, it ruins the scene. And so I think there are some really great elements, and there are just some really terrible elements, and it was another wasted opportunity. But. Like what I did saw, like I liked, and that's where it's like certain cuts of scenes. If they're able to put it together in a way, I, I think it could make it a really yeah. Well, I guess, I'm just gonna drink again.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is also our uh, glimpse at Diana Prince. You know, she doesn't get a lot of screen time here. Personally, I thought I, I, I kind of liked her introduction. She's sort of mysterious. She's got sort of the smoldering eyes, makes the mysterious exit. What do we find of the introduction here, Andrew? Uh, is this, this enough for you? Are you intrigued at this point or, or what? Which one was she again? Okay, fair enough. Next.
4: <laughs> no,
1: I, I liked her.
0: You know, it's very brief, but that's okay. Because, you know, you keep it mysterious, you keep it short, and you keep the movie moving. Again, that was one of the concerns early on, as we already touched briefly upon before, was how would gal Gadot, or however you pronounce her name, be in this role. And I, I liked her here with these interactions between, like, her introduction here and then her further interactions she'll have with Bruce Wayne later. Not Not bad. The rest of the party was a bit eh not the greatest it was okay jumping back um joking of course
3: aside like i thought i really liked her I, I think she made a really great first impression and that's where i think of the three characters hers was the one i was most skeptical about based upon like how everyone thought wonder woman should look like like what her ethnicity should be like there was just all these t- all this talk on the internet and i thought she handled it really well she was able to go toe to toe with ben affleck which I'm not sure if that says much, but at the same time, she provided enough mystery to the character that you're like, I want to know more about her. She should but have I think- a true
0: Amazonian woman. Me wants snoo with, with one boob. <laughs> Me wants snoo snoo. <laughs> oh
1: my god. If she was a true Amazonian woman, Batman would now have no dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Nathan, what do you what, what what were your initial impressions here? Oh, well, I mean, she's
2: probably my favorite character of the whole movie it's kind of a shame that they did kind of ruin the trailers sort of ruined all of her appearances it would have been nice to have not seen her at all until you see the movie we can talk maybe about her later scenes but yeah a good first
1: impression but you know not really blowing me out of the water or anything so we uh, we see that she's probably the one who stole the drive that bruce stuck to Lex's computer there. So he he kind of tracks her down, finds the drive. She reveals that she can't. She took the drive. She's looking for a, f- a photograph, uh, but she couldn't decrypt the data. So she gives it back to uh, to Bruce. He takes it back to the Batcave, hooks that shit up to the back computer. I just thought it was funny. He plugs it in and it's like decrypting. It's like 1%. <laughs> yeah,
4: very
0: slow. <laughs> Windows, he's 2%. got Windows 3.1 going on
1: down there. Yeah, totally. But you know what? I, I love that, actually. I thought that was one of the very that was like one of three jokes in the entire film but I, I mean I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny so he dozes off and we're gonna get into the uh, nightmare with a K here uh, obviously he's dreaming we see Batman stepping over a uh, you know the ruins of a city in the background volcanoes spewing ash and fire into the sky he infiltrates some kind of facility the you know the awesome desert Batman outfit there with the superman flunkies and got like the super he's he's trying to procure kryptonite and it's a trap he he gets out his 45 he uh busts some caps and some asses and there's a whole battle ensues here maybe a little too slow motion because you can see all the stuntmen telegraphing the yeah you can yeah uh, oh this is
2: this is a terrible action sequence i mean it's
1: cool in the concept but
2: I mean, there were dudes who went down like soccer players. It was terrible. (laughs)
4: Yeah,
1: Yeah, that that was unfortunate. For those who are familiar with DC Comics, we get... Uh, pair of demons flying in maybe somebody can explain to me why the pair of demons come in and seem to be taking over and then batman goes down and then wakes up in uh, an underground cell and there's superman coming down with his disciples kneeling before him which i thought was a really cool scene again in the trailers superman just laser beams a couple of batman's buddies in half what I thought was cool is he makes a reference it's like they you took her from me. Uh, I'm assuming he's referencing Lois Lane. I like the image where he just grabs Batman's mask and pulls it off, and then Liam Neeson's him in the heart. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, what, you, what did you? Uh, so tell me about what what's your take on the nightmare? Give me your details. What's happening? What did you think of it? This sequence is weird because
2: if you don't know anything about the DC universe, I mean, this makes no sense. I find it cool, but like to be objective about it, it's crazy that you would include this, especially with the parademons and stuff. I mean, what are you supposed to make of this? The one thing I thought was interesting and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm out to lunch here, but his future desert action Batman costume was very reminiscent of the uh, the Red Sun uh, comic book. This sequence, as kind of cool as it is for a I mean, it serves no purpose to the story. And then I'm sure we're going to talk about the sequence with the flash. This is all I'm assuming just for the future Justice League movies. No story purpose for this movie. So, I mean, I think that's very I think it's very sloppy writing to say, okay, we're going to set up some future movies here now and we're going to spend 20 minutes doing it.
0: There's even a more concerning logic issue here is how the hell does he know about parademons, the omega symbol? And all this stuff. Why would he be dreaming about
2: this? Well, presumably it's somehow he is having a vision of the future because of the fact that because the Flash has come back through time, even though they still play it up as a as a dream, because he wakes up from that, sees the Flash and then wakes up from that again. So it's pretty sloppy but yeah it's, it's sort of a weird and, and so therefore it doesn't make any
0: sense it doesn't make like, any was sense he has a dream and then another dream and then it's reality
2: <laughs> and that's like real like like film school bullshit it's like oh, i have a bad dream oh it's another dream i'm gonna wake up oh <laughs> my god i'm hitler wake up again you know it's like it, i mean it's it that's that I mean, that is uh, screenwriting 101. You shouldn't be doing that in a major motion picture like this. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I could sort of buy it if, if suddenly he came out of it and he's it's, it's like, it's the Flash and he's stuck in like a temporal vortex or some other like Star Trek thing. I don't know. I mean, I think was, what they're trying to do is like still like trying to play to the non-fan audience like, oh, don't worry. It's just a dream sequence. You don't have to worry about time-traveling superheroes.
0: Yeah, but like the Flash is... If we want to skip to The Flash, that doesn't even make any sense even to me. You don't even know this guy's The Flash unless you read about it in on the internet Oh,
2: oh yeah. Because he no, doesn't ex- even look ex-
0: like The Flash. And speaking of the looks, he looked terrible. The actor was terrible. Andrew, I'm going to take a big guess that you watched The Flash TV show.
3: No, I've never watched a single episode. Okay,
0: so uh, I'm stupid. Well, I watched The Flash, right? I, and I, I was I, confused. I, I, I was like, yeah. I'm. I think it's
2: The Flash. Yeah, I'm not 100. Exactly.
0: percent I enjoy watching The Flash because it's light and it's different and it's fun. Uh, even though it's not a great show, take you that back, say,
2: Harry. Take that back. It's it's it's, it's
0: okay. <laughs> it's it's not the best show ever. It's decent. I'm kidding. But this Flash looked absolutely ridiculous. And How I don't, could you I even tell? I, I could even see him. What could, could you dumb. see? I saw a weird mask with stupid horns coming out of his face. There's, I don't know what the fuck it was. But anyways, I don't even know what he's talking about. Lois is the key, and he's right all the time. Is he talking about Superman? Like he's right that Superman needs to go down. Well, we don't know. Well, this is well,
2: the other like, cool thing? Okay, because okay.
0: he never said low. Okay, so when he never you're actually the said low context of this movie, that's how you have to interpret it.
2: Sure, I I agree that you should, but I almost wonder if they're like, and I've read that they actually this was not part of the original script. They filmed this in the middle of production. Say, so, okay, we're going to give give a little tease and that makes for sense. the future movies, and it's <laughs> And so that's
0: why it yeah exactly it is it, it, it's completely stupid. It is ridiculous, and, confusing, and <laughs> terrible. I am meant to interpret it that he is right about Superman, because that's how every most people are going to interpret it. That's how you have to interpret the scene, is he's right about Superman, you got to go kill him. Well, All hold right? on. So that's how you have to interpret it. There's no other logistical reason. Now, if that changes for a future movie, if this is a plug for something else, and he's right about something else, then it's a fail here. It doesn't make
1: any I, sense. I, to- no, I'm going to just jump in here, gentlemen, because I can. He says it's you're right about him. It's about Lois. I think he names Lois.
0: Oh, he does. Okay. He does name Lois. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, well, I think what's happening here is uh okay, so I mean, I, you know, I've read lots of comic books and I've read lots of, you know, the alternate futures and alternate realities and everything, but Lois and Martha are Clark's connection to humanity and i think what flash is saying there is you're right about him he is referring to superman and it's about lois like she's his connection to humanity but he's not saying you got to go kill him it's he's saying it's like yeah it's about her we need to make sure that he's still connected to humanity because otherwise we're all lost and he has that vision of the future where obviously Superman is not on the right side because in that vision, he says, what did he say? He said, you took her from me or they took yeah. her for yeah. something like that, right? So she's gone, whether that's Martha or Lois. It, it, he suffered a loss and and lost it and that concept has also been played up in shit in so, many... so, so
0: this Superman is the prequel trilogy
1: Anakin Skywalker is what you're talking he about he is yeah What if you've I mean every I mean there's been many many if you want to say that's not that's not true to the character many portrayals of the of Superman in the comic books in the alternate futures in the visions if something happens to Lois he doesn't do so well that's with fine that. I don't think he'd wipe out the earth And well he didn't wipe out the earth Apocalypse wiped out the earth but he obviously the, he takes that wrong well he, he gives he gives more than a shit he gives too much of one but acting no I, I think he, he thinks, in this case
2: good. if you want to get into the DC canon I think what's happened here in the, the vision of the future is that something has happened to make him susceptible to dark sides control like he's able to control people there, I can't remember all like exactly how he's able to do it but I mean he can't do it to everyone and he is able to do it to su- Superman under certain circumstances so I think probably that's what the trying to play up is that because well, he's think, lost that yeah. connection then therefore dark side can take him over
1: i think that's exactly what they're trying to play up here <laughs> is that he doesn't have his connection to humanity so he's able to be controlled by dark side and obviously that ends poorly for everyone and i think that's kind of the point of the vision here and the vision which i think is it's brought on by the flash coming back in time that has an effect on bruce he sees the future and borrow a line from the terminator one possible future where superman is not on the right side and Lois is the key you know and that's what the flash is basically saying as Lois, you know is what the then it's, it's funny
0: her. if he has this vision then the rest of the movie does not make any sense because i, because, I don't, I
1: don't no, know about that
0: no no because so he's going after superman he's gonna kill him but he had this vision of a possible future and he didn't bother to track down lois lane who is the key for him to be good in terms of batman's vision
1: but he doesn't know who lois is know. he doesn't know clark kent is clark kent i mean lois lois who he all he sees is the Superman who he already hates being the architect of the earth's destruction. I don't yeah. know. I this, still not it. And I think I he's only still find...
2: interpreting it as a dream, anyways. It's not like, oh, well, who was well, that he... masked man from the future? You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's still, it's still played up as a dream. Yeah,
3: that's where, like, at the end sequence where they're fighting, he would have been like, if you saw Lois, it would have been great. I'm be like, now it makes sense. You're Yo. Lois. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, wow. That really that makes sense. Really tripping balls on that dream that I had, like, a couple <laughs> days ago. But now
1: it just, it's crystal clear. I mean, this dream's pretty vivid, though. I mean, it's not, he's not treating it as just a dream. He's, it, it must have had some kind of impact as a piece
2: of filmmaking the fact that it takes you know four nerds to parse it the average film
0: goer i mean like how the fuck can you make sense of any of this no you can't
4: <laughs> well but
0: it's not meant for the general movie audiences are too dumb anyways they're just there to see him punch and there goes yeah, half our
1: audience just just to message all of our listeners sorry we're not holding <laughs> your dick on this i know you want to see people punch fuck you okay speak the truth uh-uh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Pardon me if I'm skipping anything here. So we come to the Senate hearings.
0: Okay, before before we get to the Senate hearing, believe then you have the Batman chase where he's chasing the kryptonite. Okay, so we, and I so also want to talk about the Batmath, math. The bat math, the bat math, the 1%. Yeah. If there's even oh, just yeah. a 1% possibility he's going to destroy the world, we must act on it as an absolute certainty because then that's what prompts him to go after the kryptonite. So I know he's still all pissed about Metropolis, but since then... Superman has been seen saving people, except for killing that terrorist or maybe some other bad guys. But on a general level, he's not causing mass destruction. He's helping people here and there. I want to get your inputs on what your thoughts on this 1%. I don't mind him going after kryptonite as a backup measure, as a safe measure, just in case he has to use it. But the 1%, I don't get this thing. Well, gonna, it's like I'm... the
2: gambler's folly right well there's a one percent chance that i could hit big in vegas so i I absolutely (laughs) must do it like this
0: is the world's greatest detective exact same logic that is the same logic i call it bat math because what else am i supposed to say
1: (laughs) i love that you've coined the term bat math i think that's fucking fantastic (laughs) i would love it if he had a bat abacus (laughs) (laughs) great Trademark and, <laughs> trademark and copyright. Trademark and copyright. I and mean, I think I agree. I think, Harry, I think you know where you're going with this. It's a little goofy, but I think it could understand where we've seen his actions. And right now it seems like he's okay, but he has the power to burn down the house without a second thought. Like he could, he could just cut the whole planet in half. He's got to go. There's just no way to reconcile it. He's got to go.
0: So when he meets the Flash in the future, he can go back and change time. And ki- uh, There's a 1% chance when he travels back through time, he's going to wipe my parents out and I'll never be born. He must die. Is that the bat math? This is what I'm talking about, bat math. Maybe. maybe. Well, maybe. We'll see when he meets the Flash <laughs> later on. <laughs>
1: no,
4: but That's so a question is, for another day. This is day. character
0: assassination here, man. This is what I'm talking about. No, no, it doesn't
1: make sense. No, but at this, at this moment, we think i'm i'm pretty sure he's gonna come around but at this moment he's had this vision of the future he thinks it's a dream but he can see it he's seen the bad shit he's already predisposed to not be a fan of superman's power he's a jealous little bitch that's what he yes yeah, no i think he is a little jealous you got to take into account like the character's follies like batman's follies at this point is he doesn't believe in the goodness of anything He sees the darkness, he sees the downside, he sees the dark underbelly of everything. That's how he's programmed because of his whole life and how he's lived. So when he sees this creature from outer space who has unlimited power and no accountability, he's going to see the worst. And he's trying to convince Alfred, like Bruce is convinced 100% that he's our enemy. But he's trying to say to Alfred, if it's even 1%, we can't take the chance So we have to take him out. It's just one guy. We got to take him out because it's not worth the risk because that's how he thinks he's wrong. He sees it that way because that's all he's known. Even though there's other
0: metahumans out there that Superman could help against, but that's okay. He doesn't know that. Yeah. He will before
1: the final match though. He doesn't know that now, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know that before the final match. During this scene, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know right now. He doesn't know that. But later he does,
0: and he still goes and wants to kill Superman.
1: Well, but he does. What does that have to do? He's probably seen the other Metahumans going like, "Fuck, I got to kill four other motherfuckers now." Shit! The world's greatest detective would keep a guy like that around and just have the Kryptonite as a
0: backup plan. No, you're not necessarily.
1: No, no, he's thinking like, "Take out
0: everybody
2: one by one by one." No way, Jeff. No, I I agree with you. I I mean, I I partly agree with Harry. The line is dumb, but I I agree with the sentiment because if you want to take like maybe a real life type of scenario, I mean, governments spend tons of money fighting small numbers of terrorists and you know we kind of live in this you know this age of terrorism but but the the actual chances of anyone being killed by terrorism is at least in the western world is or north america anyways is generally quite low people go on and on about trying to fight terrorism so i mean i the sentiment is kind of there but the way it's portrayed in the movie is quite literally not that superman's a terrorist but i mean just like the way some people can perceive Threats. It's that while it doesn't matter how low percentage it is, if it's in your face and it seems scary that you have to do everything in your power to squash it, no matter what the potential
0: risk is. I just think that Batman would be smarter than that.
2: uh, No, I agree with that too. I I think that, that they don't really portray, they portray him as a little bit crazier than he should be. Because he should be seeing, you know, Superman like saying, well, I have questions about it. But he's like trying to say, OK, if, if things go south on us, we need a backup plan, which is actually more in line with what the character would be. It's like he he prepares for every contingency. But yeah. here it's just like, no, I don't like him. I'm just like you said, Harry, he's a jealous little bitch. And he just wants to take him out.
1: Andrew, what's what's your yeah. thoughts, Andrew? You, you haven't you haven't piped in here yet.
3: I'm just more sighing to myself and just thinking about this movie more and more and more
1: okay that's interesting so let's move on uh, no no <laughs> go ahead <laughs> go ahead no there's not much
3: more to say i think it, it's just a little disappointing that immediately he just jumps to the gun it's like we gotta wipe this guy out like there's no there's no middle ground like this is a guy that doesn't kill his his enemies like batman well granted this version of batman tends to be a little trigger happy and looks to break guys necks with ease but the batman that we kind of know is like he's not a guy that just kills for the sake of killing yet all of a sudden here he's going to go against like the biggest principle that Batman has that separates himself from the guys that he puts away it, it, it's a big jump I know he had a really bad dream and always really messed <laughs> up but like deal like there is no type of investigation like he's not a detective he's just like I'm Fuck a hunter it. Let's just he get says him. it later He
0: pretty much admits it, it yeah I'm a well, hunter he says that later Oh, I,
1: I totally forgot about that. That's a good point. What did, sorry, what did, what did you say? Sorry, what did you
0: say? Wait, wait, later in the movie, when, before he actually fights Superman, he visits Wayne Mansion one last time. Alfred comes and sees him. And he talks about the first generation Waynes were hunters. And that's the legacy he's going to go back to and leave by taking out Superman as a hunter. He's not Batman anymore. He's yeah, He's something else. But that's just yeah. me.
1: You know what, that's interesting you bring up. He's, he, he's not Batman anymore. He is something else because yeah. this mission that he's taken is larger than anything he would have ever done before. I think it's kind of interesting that he's taking this upon himself to take out this creature. Batman's not a murderer, but Superman is not human, so he doesn't care. He's an alien. It doesn't matter.
0: Uh, well, that, he's, to me, shows that the intellect behind Batman is just absolutely not there. He has no intellect well then. But how so? I understand about these risks, but oh, but if you're saying now that oh he's an alien, I don't care. Even though he's very much like us, he has rights too. If you just want to get it on a on a level playing field here, you know, I I don't buy that. I don't like. But it's
1: not a a level playing field though, is it? Because Superman could choose to do. You're justifying. Well, no. But he's
0: not doing whatever he wants. So this is the problem I have
1: here. But he he is doing whatever he wants. Okay,
0: but in a sense, yes, but as I said, he's still saving people. It's like if he was just sitting around still causing all the damage he did in the first movie, then I would agree with you. There's no justification here for Batman's actions at all. And that's where I think some backstory,
3: like some, a movie leading up to this, like perhaps like how Robin died and Batman still holds himself accountable is that he had a chance to take out Joker and he didn't. And like Joker wipes out hundreds of people and he holds himself accountable for not being able to make that ultimate decision to wipe out a guy that takes out arguably his, well, Robin was saying is his closest relative, but it costs him dearly because he isn't willing to pay that price. So for here, he's not going to take that chance because this is humanity that's at risk. And that's why he's going to cross that line finally. And so he's turned into not the bat. He's gone from the Batman that we know to this vigilante hunter. And that's where it's like, there's a lot that they could have done to build up the situation that would provide great context. But it's just such a a paradigm
1: shift for Batman that you're like, what? what? How did that just happen? What? Yeah. He's already opposed to this thing that, calls itself superman he's already opposed to what it's done i mean he's a thing to to batman he's a he's just a creature who's caused destruction he's brought the war to earth so again he's,
0: you're missing he's the a point,
1: danger but he since then has he not been helping people yes he has so if we, I mean, as we go forward here, I mean, there's also the question of, does he balance, does that balance the scales, I guess, in Batman's view? He, how many people died in Metropolis and how many people has he saved? Whether What's true or not isn't really the issue here. It's, it's okay, what so- he thinks. It's like, okay, he saves a cat out of the tree. Everybody cheers. But tens of thousands of people have been destroyed in one instance and he's saved a couple of cosmonauts. And and uh, okay, so a couple of people out of burning building. You're telling I mean, me I'm Batman? Saying- is,
0: Batman is then the dumbest motherfucker on the planet. He's the dumbest superhero saying- ever. He is the He's shittiest superhero. He is dumb because he's he should just, know that he's he just, just calling okay. as he sees it okay but superman was oh he caused the destruction by himself or was he also trying to help people because zod and company were coming and invading the fucking planet so Impossible i'm not
1: to know from his perspective then he's the
0: dumbest detective
1: ever batman's no, he's better than the that no, ever. No, man. he can only know not, what he not, can know not. how can he know what he was doing in the battle of metropolis oh so that's, that's not I, guess, I guess the
0: other out. guys there zod and company and stuff they weren't there he didn't see he didn't see he could He could do his investigations there. Lois was there. He could find out stuff. This is Batman. He pulls shit out well, of his ass all the time to say? solve riddles and puzzles. So hey, well, what, you do, can't you, what do you think? He out? could find out
1: stuff like that. Doesn't, doesn't doesn't mean anything. Like he was still he holds him responsible. I mean, he we talked about Man get of Steel. The I mean, everybody, but everybody said in Man of Steel, everybody who watched it, everybody said it was Superman's fault. And now yeah. we're saying oh, Batman no, should know. It wasn't you're, exactly. you're you're not
0: getting me. It is Superman's fault that it, it, the way it was portrayed in Man of Steel, that he didn't try. And send the fight somewhere else. That's his fault. In the grand scheme of things, (laughs) you can't just sit there. Well, then then he's he's just like everybody, other dumb motherfucker on the planet. Well, hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but (laughs) hold on, guys. Hold on.
2: Like, we, we could talk about this point all day i mean i think i think actually it's weird that you're both right on this point i think it's just a problem with the way the story is portrayed i think from the batman perspective it's not just the fact that he battled zod metropolis and and bad shit went down it was all it's also the fact that he's virtually unstoppable but he has no we kind of see we sort of see his perspective, but we're also seeing like the other side of things. We're seeing Superman. How can he not sort of how can you not see how good Superman is? And so this is just sort of like the poor writing here. Superman hasn't really done anything, but you can kind of take like a, a low level view of it and say, well, yeah, OK, If I guess he turned bad. It's just a problem with how it, how the whole thing is written. There's a lot of nuance that should be going on here and we're not getting
0: it agreed 100 percent. but in terms of batman himself why doesn't he just a more logical batman more calm and intellectual batman would say i'm getting my kryptonite as my backup plan if this guy ever gets out of line again he's dead he hasn't done anything since metropolis except okay things
2: no i no? I, I agree and, and, and then you know comes what i mean but now i'm going to attack him writing.
0: That it's that's just bad writing and it's a bad Batman. I'm sorry.
2: Oh yeah, no, it is. And the other thing is that this is the other problem with the movie in general is that they take a lot of imagery from Dark Knight Returns and other various Batman and Superman comic books. They use a lot of the imagery without any of the real reasons as to yeah. why those images exist. What you have is is this grizzled batman i think they try and explain it with like well hey you know what there are no good guys anymore there's only like you know there are no good intentions right so i think they try and explain it that way and it's a little sloppy so i mean i, I again like i sort of see batman's sentiment about it but the portrayal is just not good batman portrayal
0: not even that alfred's even saying the same thing he's not our well, Al- alfred's a ghost so he doesn't really <laughs> 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 Anyways, She's why, don't, why, don't, why don't we of- w- why don't we move on? Because I'm sure we can talk about this a bit more in our closing thoughts. But uh, Jeff, we were at that bat chase with the Kryptonite. Does anyone want to
1: comment on that chase? Other than Batman driving his car through somebody else's car, probably decapitating him and into a guy's face. He, drew yeah. his, the
2: <laughs> <Batmobile> <laughs> he just drove his Batmobile to someone's guy. face. You
0: know yeah. what the funny thing is, is I found that he put that tracker on. Batman normally would huh. just probably just track the vehicle to wherever it is and then steal it at the warehouse. But then he goes through the whole chase and then as he as you're talking about yeah he killed people along the way and stuff like that but then he actually plows through the truck he's tracking and through sheer dumb luck he did not dislodge the the tracker (laughs) Uh, i found oh my god is this is just a ridiculous scene that's what
1: we call bad accuracy yeah (laughs) fucking nailed it yeah he nailed it
0: yeah he
4: nailed it
1: Batman, he knows where to put that tracker. He was going to drive through that truck later. He knew where to put it. A little goofy just to put a car chase into the film here. It's unnecessary. I mean, it, it's a cool chase, but yeah, uh, logically it, it falls apart.
0: And that, But then how about then the first meeting? Because this chase then ends with Batman meeting Superman the first time. I, I actually yeah. laughed out loud because I thought it was kind of corny. The way he turned around the corner and then Batman, I mean, Superman was there. And then you just see the look on Ben Affleck's eyes. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you think he actually got aroused, and then he actually stepped on the on the gas and then bounced off of him. Who, Batman
1: got aroused?
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> or Ben know. Affleck. Or Ben Affleck. Which one? <laughs> one? of the
2: two. Oh, yeah, the sexual tension was
0: palpable in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he asked him, do you bleed? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, okay. Baby. You guys uh, into they, uh, you uh, walked into that one. You walked into that one.
2: I don't think... They actually, I, I was a little disappointed with the scene. I mean, I did like the scene with the Batmobile hitting Superman. I mean, again, like I'd seen that. That scene had been... Uh, I think I saw it on like Jimmy Kimmel or something like that, that scene. And so I thought, okay, in the movie, there'll be a bit more dialogue. or It's like, no, that was it. He just... He basically... Superman
0: just let Batman go. Well,
1: I kind of like the I mean, scene. He's like, the Bat is dead... So he just chilled. gives him an
0: ultimatum, and then he gets the hell out of there. Though, I, I kind of like that
1: though, and I, but Batman's not backing down. I kind of like that. He's like, I like well, the line. Well, I think the scene itself is fine. I just wish
2: there's on its own just with within he hit him with the car, and then Superman walks over, tears the. I mean, I like that part too, where he tears the top of the the Batmobile off and stuff. And I don't know. I guess I wanted a little bit more. I guess the scene is fine. I, I wanted a bit more
0: from Superman. I mean, again, this is a, an asshole Superman. I'm just going to give my ultimatum. So I mean like I'm trying to defend Superman in in the sense that I don't like Batman's justifications to kill him right off the bat but the more and more we keep seeing superman the more of an asshole he is i can kind of understand the justifications this guy's a dick i I don't know i don't like the superman here he's just like i'm gonna give you an ultimatum the bat's dead don't go to your light fuck you i'm out of here i I don't know you think he'd have a chat with him a little bit yeah that's like a perfect opportunity for bruce to be like
1: hey um
3: i've been meaning to talk to you about what happened 18 months ago no but they had a chat
1: superman's like you're done this is mercy go back to the fucking cave and don't come out again that's the chat like so this is
0: superman again we're talking about now let's go back to the arc from man of steel to here so i know it's only a year and a half later but is this who we want superman to be i know it's not a question of
1: who we want him to be but who is he he's an ass He's not an ass. He gave him a chance. He gave him, he could have just picked him up, flown him to the police station. Like, I'm sure you have 3,001 outstanding warrants on this dude. Here he is. But he's like, this is over. Batman's dead. This is mercy. Peace. And then he, and then he. uh, If you got, if you, if you got that uh,
0: contextually (laughs) out of that scene, I really. That's exactly
1: what he said. Besides peace. is exactly Batman's
0: dead. No, I worry for you, Jeff. You know. That's what he said. That's not a nice guy. Well, he's not a
1: nice. Superman's not a nice guy, isn't he? Okay, so that's my point. He's not a nice guy. So, okay, so, another- he, a nice guy. Well, so what? This is not. Yeah, good. it's fine. He was nice, and you know what? In context of like the vigilante, it was a pretty nice gesture to be like, "I'm not coming after you." Just. Chill, you're go- you're done and I'm out. I
2: kind of agree. In that same scene, in I honestly thought they would write in he, he says, like, Look, I know you're Bruce Wayne. You know, I can see under your mask. And you know, if you're you know, they didn't he didn't even so I didn't even get the impression that he's like, Okay, I'll out you yeah. It's just like, you know what, you're done. Just go away yeah there could have been like some interplay like superman saying it's
3: like what you're doing is killing people what i do is i'm saving people like bringing guys to justice see that would have been better and that's where it's like it was it was missing and so like i as much as i like henry cavill of superman like it was eh, it was another missed opportunity there were some cool moments to it, but there was still like, I wanted more. Okay, yeah. Let's move on. This is bringing Congress. out the best of all of us. I really <laughs> like this. <laughs> but someone's going to die at the end of it Nothing this. like a movie to bring us all together as
1: friends. Yeah, hey, I think Congress is the next major scene here. So Superman uh, flies in. I like the image of this where he kind of lands there. There's all the protesters. He strolls in, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but he looked like he was 900 pounds of muscle rolling into Congress there. You mean 900 pounds of rubber suit? No, I think that's all. That's That's all Cavill. That's not Cavill. He was was 220 pounds. He was, all accounts, he was twice as large, well, twice as much muscle as Man of Steel. I'm sure they padded the suit. I'm not saying they didn't. But you're going back, you're saying like, well, they didn't pad Christopher Reeve's suit. Christopher Reeve wasn't 220 pounds. He was nowhere near as big as Henry Cavill. I'm not. Is I'm, in not his... I'm not comparing him.
0: Cavill naturally
1: Guys. is bigger than
0: Christopher Reeve. I'm just saying. You're saying he's walking all in there, looking all buff. I mean, that padded suit is making him look a lot bigger than he is. Anyway, but he's hey, big. But fine. But maybe maybe matter. he <laughs> hit matter. the gym in the morning. We don't know that. <laughs> he's
1: like, huge. He's a fucking beast. Could have had you a know couple what? protein no, no, Superman. i have got to get a kick out
0: of it, Jeff. Uh, that's what
1: they, makes it. They cut Superman. out the
0: scene knew, where Superman was doing
2: push-ups outside the Senate building. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad
0: that's what Superman means to Jeff He's got to be this big no, I do And he's getting aroused And I love it when I he struts am. in Because the physicality of Cavill Is what makes I Superman
1: I do love it when he struts in And the physicality does does work for me And he's a monster uh, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you, dude
0: You in this generation love him for that That's great oh I my. do,
1: man him and
0: Ben. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, so Ben was nice. really that big. <laughs> oh, like, oh wow. Give me a break. He
1: was pretty big. He, uh, he was so he, he was in shape. It. He was not big like that. I'm sorry. He was pretty big, man. He uh, was he was also You need glasses, buddy. This is where I the don't... next movie where your view
3: has to be Deadpool to bring us all back together because <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my god. All I, right,
0: anyways, let's talk about the congress.
1: Rules oh, so <laughs> in. I was just looking at his pecs. The whole, I don't know what happened to this scene. I was just looking at his Are you
0: sure you weren't going about 6 to 7 inches more down? I don't know. Oh. oh my god. That's that's only 6
2: or 7 inches down? Man, Harry, like
3: I'm questioning your body size if that's the
2: case. I need to get another Harry's figure, actually only me. 6 oh, is only 3 feet tall. That's why. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I was. You're right here. I was looking. It's just his abs. That's, that's true. <laughs> so he rolls into Congress and Senator Finch is talking some shit about whatever accountability. She sees the basically a mason jar full of pee, I assume, based on the earlier scenes. And kind of wish she
0: drank it a sip. Like it would have been interesting if she yeah, actually she, took a, a sip and then took said, a what sip the fuck test. is this? And then realized what it was. Right.
1: I think she got a pretty good idea. Well, what no, she knew. There. She
0: knew what it was. I'm just saying it would have been. A bit, I thought it would have been a bit more funny if she actually took a sip. It would have been funny. There's no question. <laughs> uh.
2: <laughs> Although I, I actually have to wonder if in a uh, in a PG or PG-13 movie, if you can consume human urine. Do you think that's why
3: it's going to be a rated R cut is that we find out that she's
2: just fucking guzzling (laughs) gallons of urine. There's a whole scene of just, of just Lex Luthor. I'm sure Lex Luthor, he's just got Mason jars full of urine everywhere. Like that's how eccentric he is. That's what gives it the R rating. (laughs) I'm
1: now officially buying that. (laughs) Yeah. So the next scene is the credits that roll. uh... (laughs) You know what? This, this scene is the biggest, piece of disappointment for me because i really wanted to hear superman stand up for himself and give his side and but at the same time i don't know it's so i mean senator finch kind of obviously sees something, something's wrong and boom the senate blows up the whole building's toast and you know that's it he doesn't get the chance to uh, give his side of the story so part of me was upset that i didn't get to hear like that would have been a really cool moment and we didn't get to see it but the other part of me is like that's what lex Luthor was robbing the entire world of he didn't want anybody to be able to see that so i'm kind of mixed on it i don't know uh nathan why don't you ring in here on the scene congress the bombing what you thought well that's kind of an interesting take
2: on what the purpose of this scene is because i mean i for the life of me i can't understand what this scene is supposed to do because again like like what is lex Luthor's end game here with blowing up the senate building or is it senate or congress i don't know whatever Okay, Okay. but um, I think it's
1: Congress. I think it's
2: I'm just going to alternate between both. I mean, but um, because are people supposed to blame Superman for this, you know, ostensibly an act of terrorism against him. So it's very confusing. I thought, because then again, or is it is it Luther eliminating a roadblock in his path to destroy Superman, Senator Fitch? But I agree with you, Jeff, that it's disappointing that we don't, you know, Superman has said all of it, has had two lines in the whole movie up to this point. It would have been nice to see him defend himself in front of his detractors, you know, even if it's only a couple of lines.
1: Harry, what do you think?
0: I agree with you guys. Um I wish that he was given a chance to defend himself, but I agree that's why Luther set off the bomb at that time. It deprived everybody of giving him a chance to defend himself and what he stands for. The funny thing is, is I don't want to get it again, don't wanna rehash it, but I really don't think even he knows at that point what he stands for anyways. So I also found it funny that when they bomb blew up, you just kind of stood there wooden. I was hoping for a little bit of a reaction Instead of just like a feigned disappointment from Cavill. And you would think that Superman would maybe try and... I know mostly everybody died, but you think he'd try and immediately react and try and blow stuff, the fire out and do something. I know that's not the point of the movie. It's just a disappointing... Over and over again, for me, seeing Superman portrayed this way. The immediate next scene, so it's related to this, is when the Congress blows up. You see Batman get that letter saying, you let your family die. Uh, So again, another thing here is, can't he see he's being played at this point? So uh, again, something that irks me a little bit, but that's all I got to say. Andrew,
3: another lost potential scene. Like it had, setup was great. I think it would have been cool had it been like a closed door Senate session where you hear a little bit of what superman has to say and you can see people warming up to the idea that this guy is not a bad guy and then it blows up because you can see like superman's like yes i finally convinced them i'm a good guy i know the intent of the scene and i think maybe it had a part that lex Luthor was just trying to show batman because he wanted the two of them to to fight that like superman was a dangerous guy it was just it was a letdown like it and they killed off Holly Hunter, which her character was great. It was telegraphed as soon as I think Lex met that guy for the first time, and you could see like he was going to use him for some diabolical scheme. And as soon as you saw him in the, in the Senate build, in the Senate room, you're like, okay, this is it's going to blow up.
2: So it was another yes, this looks great. Shit, I can't believe they did that. Actually, you know, one thing that's interesting is it's sort of the central premise of this whole movie is that uh, Holly Hunter's character is, her character is, you know, does the world need Superman? Is he a threat? Is he our savior? And then we blow her up. We get rid of all those ideas and we just go to uh, punching in the face, right? So I think it's a great, like, meta-analysis of just Hmm. killing her character. Yeah, but the fact that, but again, like as everyone sort of reiterated, the fact that we don't get to hear Superman till his side. Another problem with the the story writing is that you could have built it up. Okay, he's building some trust, and then you take that away. But yeah. we don't even get to that crescendo. It's just like all flat boom, and we just drop the bottom out.
0: But see, here's the interesting thing now. So moving on to the immediate next scene, I believe is Superman's on Lois's balcony. In D.C., I believe, in a hotel room balcony. So here you get to hear what he truly thinks. I mean, he's kind of still, he says, oh, well, Superman was never real. He's just a dream of Kevin Costner. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) know, and then he flies. He says, I'm giving up. I'm, you know, going back on my emo trip. And but the funny thing I found here is you're doing a disservice to Man of Steel, too, because he only talks about he was a dream of a farmer an honest farmer. But how about jor His experiences in Man of Steel, you know, his own father, even though I don't like the, we were questioning some of his motivations of jor what he was trying to do, but he was still saying, you can save them. Oh, you, you will be something for them. So isn't this betraying some of the messages that were set up in Man of Steel too? He doesn't even consider anything that jor said. He's just saying, Superman was just a dream of a farmer.
2: I can't believe I totally forgot that. That is such a good point, Harry. Is that you know what? I, I know what my real dad said, but you know <laughs> you know, fuck that guy.
1: He doesn't care about what Jarrell said because Jonathan Kent is his father.
2: No, but I, I think also, what Harry's getting at is that in Man of Steel, he still took Jarrell's things he said to heart. Yeah, you know, he's a man with two fathers, but the fact that none of those callbacks to like his greater call to destiny of what Jarrell was talking about were really talked about here, and and in fact in Man of Steel, Kevin Costner it was kind of like ah you know I don't know maybe you he know was kind of on the it, fence
0: you know yeah
2: you, exactly you have to
0: decide you can be the person you want to be you have to make that decision yes, but which I yeah which is fine a new take and you know he's leaving it up to his son to make the right choice and he believed that his son would make the right choice. I think that's the interpretation at the end of that movie. But it was jor that kind of steered Kalel in the right way to be Superman. So I don't understand why he's saying it's just only a dream of a farmer. Why even bother still wearing the suit if he still has doubts? You know, you want to keep making Man of Steel over and over again, that's fine. I just wish there was more of a growth here.
2: Well, maybe Zack Snyder forgot to watch Man of Steel. <laughs>
0: Maybe. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: We've narrowed down uh, the title to uh, the next film, Man of Steel 2, My Two Dads. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it would have been great had like Russell Crowe just walked in and they like recreated the scene from Star Trek Generations. And like, just, I don't know. It, it was just, I was like, when I saw it at the top of it, I'm like, really? It's like, these guys have got some really trippy imagination. Like, it's, I don't
1: know. Well, they are from other another planet. I mean, you don't, you don't know. True,
3: but like just Russell Crowe high-fiving Kevin Costner is like, yeah, I feel the same way. And like, okay, it's I'm drinking more. (laughs) I I even get the sip.
4: We heard it.
2: Awesome, awesome. Maybe they need to do like a like a road trip movie. Jonathan Kent, (laughs) Jor-el.
0: How about we lighten up the mood even more here? How about we get to? I think believe the next scene here is Batman Rocky training sequence. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: no, you're obviously. gonna tell me that you saw that sequence and you thought ben affleck was not huge in that scene
0: he's yeah. in shape he wasn't massive he's big well okay he's not yeah. as big as the suit makes him out to be that's my only point no, I, no,
1: they yeah that, a, no you're he, right yeah, yeah yeah but he's still a fucking beast
2: oh yeah i, I actually
1: big. i actually think he's actually bigger
0: i actually think he's he looked big. bigger in other movies but that's just me it, it's stupid to talk about it anyways but I just wanted I to point out something I noted down is like he only was, they showed him only doing the hammering, the CrossFit and uh, doing weights. You know, I just wanted to, you know, always have fun with Batman. No parallel bars, no pummel horse. I mean, it'd be kind of nice <laughs> to see, you, know, <laughs> you know, I want to see an internet gif of Ben Affleck on the pummel horse there.
1: What, what is this fucking Jim Cotta now? Come on, yeah.
4: man. I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, he's obviously a fan of CrossFit. Well,
2: that's Zack Snyder all the way. Like this whole sequence, I mean, that's probably just, uh, oh yeah, Zack Snyder's like, yeah, this is how I work out, so this is how Batman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I hate to say, I, I have been a guy who has hit a large monster truck tire with a sledgehammer. It doesn't get you huge, gentlemen, let me just, <laughs> okay, so Batman's working out, he's getting It's just huge. like the movie, it's just like the movie, it's just kind yeah, of, the like, where the fuck are we? So Batman's getting huge. He's gearing up for the final battle with uh, with Batman, or with Superman, sorry. He's got the Kryptonite. What about the montage? He's training, but they're also breaking down the Kryptonite and weaponizing it. I actually thought this was really kind of neat. You know, the Kryptonite wasn't easy to, to weaponize, so they had to, you know, use a giant laser, break it down. I thought it was kind of cool. Anybody else want to weigh in on the uh, the construction of the Kryptonite weapons? It's okay. It was- nope. Not a bad scene, not a great scene. It was, it was okay, interesting. It was quick, so it's okay. Yeah, no, it was quick. Uh, definitely uh, not a whole lot. So, uh, Luther kidnaps uh, Martha. He also kidnaps Lois. We get the scene where he throws Lois off the uh, top of uh, the LexCorp tower or wherever to get Superman's attention. So Superman realizes that Luther's got his mom uh, captive. Also realizes that L- so Luther knows exactly who he is, uh, what's going on, and he demands that he brings in the head of Batman. Uh, otherwise, she gets it. He's got, what, an hour to, to figure it out. You know, Batman's got his sweet neck suit, got the bat signal going, ready for the battle, and here we go. So, so I just want to talk a little bit about the setup. Did this work for you guys? Give me your impressions here. Yeah, if you guys, this is a video chat, you just see me shaking my head. I'm like, I
3: it was like, what's what's his mom's name again? But no. Um, it, He'd never read a comic book before. <laughs> it's like, oh names. my God, they're both named Martha. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Okay. Um, I hated it. Like, it just seemed like out of the blue, Lex Luthor knew who Clark Kent was and just like, ah, I'll take his mom and his girlfriend. And like, that's how I'm going to make him fight Batman. Like, there wasn't any lead up. There wasn't any development. Superman is just like,
0: okay, fine. I'll go fight him. It, no, no, he doesn't say that. He says he's going to go ask for his help.
4: Yeah. Okay, but,
0: so uh, let me chime in here, Jeff. He does talk to Lois. He did say he's going to ask for his help, but if not, he's going to kill him. I watched. Uh, he I didn't know, say he was going to kill him. Yeah, he, he said, says, I'm going to go ask no, for his help. No, no, He said, or no, or I have to kill him. Yeah, that's or what he said. I would have to give he, him. He the way he said go it go was
1: like, like, that would be my other choice, but he wasn't, he wasn't, married to that he didn't want to do it i would argue that after trying for
0: one instance of talking to him then after that it was just he didn't care he had plenty of opportunity to keep talking as he
1: said if i wanted you dead you'd be dead
0: yeah so then he doesn't keep talking but he didn't kill him so he doesn't keep talking he doesn't keep saying i need to ask for your help doesn't happen until the spear is about to be plummeted into his body. Then he finally just says, "Martha, just save Martha." That's it. But he had like what another five minutes of opportunity to say stuff. He didn't say it at all.
3: Yeah, he could have been like at the very beginning. He's like, "They have my mom," and they're like, oh, "Okay, now I get it." To be this fair, makes sense.
0: yeah. To be fair, though, I mean, he did try when he first landed and Batman did that Sonic thing on him. After that, he didn't care yeah but all this to say is like they have my mom like yeah I know I I'm, I, I, I agree with you I am I'm agree with you Andrew but I know for the to have them fight you can't do that so you have to let that slide
3: correct that's why I just found it such a stretch and like yeah the, the whole premise behind the movie is called Batman versus Superman and I just found it was the plot was paper thin in regards to why they actually like Batman you can understand his rationale but Superman I'm like ah I don't fully comprehend exactly what he's doing in his actions. Like there are elements that it's, it's one of those, once again, a scene that like it has potential, but it the execution just isn't there for me.
1: Uh, OK, so Nathan, what do, you, what, what do you think of the lead up to the fight here? It was interesting that once
2: again, you know, Lois has to fall in a movie. Like, I mean, that's the <laughs> one defining trait of Lois Lane is that she must fall. At, I think it's like it's not a Superman movie, movie unless she's fallen. Well, Exactly, I think it's just like that's just contractually how how it has to work. I did kind of like the reveal that Lex Luthor knew who he was. You know, we didn't we didn't kind of you know waste a whole bunch of scenes of him you know looking at stupid surveillance photos or some other um convoluted evidence. It, it's just he kind of knew, yeah. No, I know, I, Jeff, I agree with you. I mean, I think the context of what he's saying is that I'm gonna have to ask him for help, but yeah, I might have to kill him that's not really his intent it's just like oh shit if this is (laughs) this might go south on me and that's sort of his last resort i mean i think the 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 words themselves i i guess maybe are interpreted one way or the other but i mean i i prefer to interpret it as i want to try and make uh, the best of a bad situation here
1: yeah that's kind of the way i i took it too is you know i'll do it if i have to because obviously she's more important than this guy but uh, i'm going to do my best yeah, we don't need to get into the details of the fight, but uh, the fight occurs. So we get to the fight, the battle. What's your... Let's just go start to finish here from when Batman busts out his sonic weapon to right when he grabs the kryptonite spear. What's your take on the battle between the Titans here? I really liked it. I actually wished there
2: was more of it. I don't want to say it was a lit down for me. I think the only lit down was that it was not... We had to wait so long into the movie to get to this Titanic fight. And it's so short. There are a couple of things I really liked was one scene in particular when Batman is punching Superman in the head and the kryptonite gas is wearing off. So Superman just is reacting less and less to the punch. I mean, the look on his face. And it was a slight, almost comedic moment in this heavy comedy of a movie couple of the other bits and pieces yeah i mean it's a little it's a little fuzzy i mean by that point in the movie i mean i was just so inundated with with stuff it was was sort of hard to remember but it kind of felt like what i remember from comic books growing up you know borrowed a lot of the imagery of comic books maybe not with any of the true meaning behind it but i liked it i know other people don't really like it all that much and think it's a lit down but i don't know those are my thoughts
1: all right Perry, what
0: do you think Yeah, I enjoyed it for the most part. I still, you know, you have to make it from a movie standpoint and a comic standpoint that Batman has to get his stuff in. I know I've said before that I don't buy Superman not resolving this in a millisecond, even just tying him up in steel or something like that. I still stand by that sentiment but for what i saw in terms of the fight it was entertaining but it was it was too short the only thing i didn't like is kind of resolved itself too quickly for batman to get the upper hand on superman i know that's dealing with kryptonite i think there could have been a little bit more of a resistance that superman could have put up there and uh in terms of defending himself Uh, and again i still think that throughout this fight superman had multiple opportunities to say The words that Andrew said, Lex has my mom, help me. That's it. But he didn't. He just had his growling face and he just wanted to hurt Batman. And at the same time, Batman also didn't want to listen. Didn't like that. But I mean, I don't know how you could really go about that if you want to keep showing a fight.
3: The reason I say I was disappointed is that it was just similar to what Nathan mentioned. Like we waited such a long time, but then it was also really short in comparison to how long the movie felt, like the movie felt really long in comparisons. Like it was two and a half hours, but there are certain movies that that duration goes by really, really quickly. With this movie, I felt as if it dragged on and to have this fight be as short as it was in relation to the rest of the movie, it was billed as Batman v Superman. And the fight was how long, maybe?
0: It was five, six minutes.
3: Yeah, it wasn't that long. The abrupt end to it, uh, there are elements that were super cool. Like I, I did like, everything that they showed but I just wanted to see more like there was so much of a build-up and it was so quick and it ended even quicker like I love the end of the Dark Knight Returns the ending to that fight's pretty
1: cool and this one it was just like all you had to say was Martha and Batman's like what did you say why don't we touch on that hold on that's a separate piece I think so we'll get to that point after... I was also I, I, convinced Aquaman was going to show up. Like, when Lois was trying to get the Kryptonite spear, I thought <laughs> Aquaman was just going to, like, yeah. swim up and, like, hand it to her. Like, oh, I, I thought suck. that the same thing, too. <laughs> I did, too, yeah. I thought it was coming. But uh, I thought the fight was, uh, was pretty solid. I mean, you know... you <sighs> Part of the problem here is you get a couple guys who are just you know punching really strongly at each other, and you know you can't do uh, an interesting choreographed fight. There's not a whole lot you can do. I thought it was done reasonably well, but there's there was a ceiling on how good this fight was was going to be. You know, just from a fisticuffs standpoint here, I, I liked how they managed to even the odds with the kryptonite gas grenade. but even that wasn't really working. He didn't make him bleed either. Doesn't no, he did well no he did make him bleed because he cut him with the uh, with the spear. Sorry, Andrew, but you are wrong. I'm used
3: to it. Thanks for coming on the show today. I'm here to make you guys all look a hell of a lot
1: better based upon my low stance. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're I doing a good job. So congratulations. <laughs> um, well, let's OK. So we're, we're through the fight. Uh, Lois arrives on the scene and, uh, you know, Superman's kind of resigned himself to death. And now it's his mission just to make sure his mother is safe. So he tells Bruce to save Martha. And this touches off in Batman, the name of his mother. Why did you say that name? I'll, I'll weigh in on it first because I've read I read lots of reviews and most reviews from film critics are very... Very critical of this where, oh, they got the same name. What a coincidence. This has kind of been a joke for 70 years where their mothers have the same first name. This is the one moment in the film where I actually had an emotional reaction because uh I thought it was played very well. And, you know, Zack Snyder kind of played off of a joke that's been played many times with the same first name. But... They have the same first name. That's not something they made up for this film. That's been in the canon for decades. And it allows Superman to tap into Batman's humanity. He, at this last moment, does what Superman does. It's not the heat vision. It's not the flying. It's not the invulnerability. It's not any of that stuff. It's you are human too. And this is what you're capable of. And... Batman finds his humanity at this last moment. I thought it was great. I don't know. that Maybe that's just me. Nathan, what was your thoughts here? I
2: completely agree with you because it's something that's in canon and they kind of use that to their advantage, right? So, I mean, it would have been – I mean, I would have hated it if they didn't have the same name. But then for this movie, they they did make it. But I thought it was a nice way to – I mean, there's probably better ways to resolve their conflict earlier in the film, but the way that this played out, I thought, given what the rest of the movie is, I thought this worked really well.
0: Harry? Terrible. All the way around. Okay. Garbage shit. All right. (laughs) Um. I didn't like it at all. I don't buy that that should change. I know that all of a sudden he's, it's very cliche, in my opinion, that all of a sudden he's just transported back to as a child how to know how that nullifies his stupid bat math earlier because the one percent risk is still there i know it's supposed to make him realize that oh this guy is kind of like me or like any one of us i get that but it doesn't change any of them the motivation isn't there from what i've seen before from this character of batman to all of a sudden stop from killing super no but it
2: but i think in in batman's mind it it humanized them i mean i I kinda of agree that like the film has some problems with the Batmath leading up to this point. But I mean I think the reveal here is that Batman is now seeing Superman in a, a, in a different movie. light. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I get yeah. it. But this shouldn't be the key to him realizing that who Superman is. I think that's a cop out on the character of Superman and the intelligence of Batman. But that's probably the problem with the movie is, is this is how it's been constructed up to this point. I think it's just a failure of the whole movie. And I didn't like the scene. I didn't, I didn't buy it. I get what you guys are saying and I get what Snyder's trying to do here, but I didn't like it. Andrew, what's your take it, here?
3: So it's another one of those uh, scenarios where it, the execution I, I can based upon personal stuff that's happened to me in the past with my mom. Like I can see like the emotional impact like of that moment where he realizes like there is a human side to to Superman like, what he's doing isn't right. It did have an emotional impact with me. I'm not going to deny that. It's not how I wanted that fight to end.
1: How did you want it to end? As
3: I said, I did like The Dark Knight, in comparing it to the, the comic. I don't know how they could have ended it in in that way. I'm not paid the money to, to, to write these things.
0: It was very abrupt, but I think that if you're going to steal one thing from The Dark Knight Returns, is that he leaves Superman beaten. He would take that... Kryptonite spear. He could cut him the way he did on his face, and say, "If you ever get out of line or whatever, just remember, I'm always going to be here to rein you in, or something along those lines." Instead of he was just going to kill him. I think that would have been, and then you could have Lois come in, or something else happening, and he realizes that, oh, you know, okay, your your mom's kidnapped, and I'll help you.
2: You know, it's funny that you bring that up, Harry, because that line from the end of Dark Knight Returns—that's how they announced this film yeah
0: was that dialogue and then they don't use it for the movie it's kind of for hilarious that would have worked a lot better and i'm not even the biggest fan of that comic book what was
3: the word you used for that comic book
1: overrated garbage
0: it is overrated yeah i won't go as you know i'm just joking around it's not garbage i just say it's
1: over no you didn't say it was over oh you said it was overrated garbage yes yeah. that's true yeah anyways that's but it was wasn't idea. garbage shit which is what you <laughs> that was attack of the clones rating that's that's that was attack of the clones well, that's yeah. justified. That's justified, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, Nathan, what was your take of there? I agree with you that it was a nice, in-canon way of resolving the fight. I think the point of the scene, again, because there's no nuance to this film at all, is for Batman to kind of snap out of his stupor and see uh, Superman in, in a, a human light, right? I mean, and now that he sees Lois Lane there... Superman is no longer sort of this abstract threat anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Harry's got a point there. It would have been cool if they had ended it same way as in the dark Knight returns, but I don't know. Maybe we should just move on. That's a tough one. Uh, Okay. So now they're BFFs and it's time to wrap it up. So we've got the facility that's constructed around this. The, the Kryptonian scout ship is spitting lightning. Shit's going down. Lex has uh, Martha Kent prisoner, so it's uh, Batman's mission to go off and rescue Superman's mom. It's Superman's mission to go and check out what's going on at the scout ship. Batman detects the tech. He finds where, and Alfred, they find where Martha's being held captive. And he shows up at the abandoned warehouse. Let's talk a little bit about the fight scene. This is sort of the most extensive action scene we see with Batman uh, Harry, what did you think of uh, how this action scene is handled with uh, with Batman? Best action sequence in the movie, hands down.
0: Everybody who's a Batman fan will like this scene. It is well executed. Batman is very agile, very physical, like you haven't seen him before. It was very mm-hmm. good. And Snyder filmed it very well. So he was able, that's one thing Snyder can do, is film physical action set pieces, especially when they're real. Like they're not all CGI, like you can actually frame a shot very well here. And um, this is my favorite set piece in the well done.
1: Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you there. It's brutal. It's very visceral. Uh, I get, yeah, there's there's not too much CGI used here. Very well framed. It's a very Batman type of fight scene where he's just messing up some dudes. Unlike the Dark Knight movies from Christopher Nolan, you can, can kind of see the action a little bit better. I love this. I think this is one of the best if I'm going to say, I think it's the best Batman action
3: sequence we've seen on film. Like it reminded me a lot of the Arkham games. I love the Arkham series, but it just showed the swiftness and brutality of Batman. And, but also the efficiency. I, I just thought it was a perfect representation of like how Batman can be such a badass in a large group. And it showed his ingenuity. It showed the relationship with Alfred. I Really like this sequence. It's one of those where it's like after, as I said, like a slight letdown. Like, I would have loved to have seen this being like an opening, opening type sequence of Batman just to show the level of combat skills that he has. But I came out of that sequence like, okay, Batman's kind of redeemed himself here.
2: Yeah. As a longtime Batman fan, I agree with Andrew. This is probably one of the best, if not the best, action sequence featuring Batman. I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got all his like great fighting gadgets. I mean, he's got gadgets up the yin yang here, like with on the guns and stuff. And then, like, there's a bit of a stealth element where they didn't realize that he came up through the floor as well. And the brutality of it as well. I mean, this is Dark Knight Returns esque, where he's just a much more brutal fighter and just is there to hurt people.
1: So, Superman confronts Lex Luthor in the uh, Kryptonian scout ship and they have a they have a the little kryptonian chat. hot tub i think yeah the, <laughs> the hot tub. i'll tell you what I, there's hot tubs i'll jump into but this is not this is not one of them you know luther is obviously upset and, and uh, the line is if if man won't kill god then the devil will do it and he reveals his master plan of the uh, genetically engineered creature, which he calls Superman's Doomsday. So obviously we get the uh, the call back to the death of Superman storyline way back in the 90s. And they start throwing down with this creature. Nathan, why don't you lead us off here with the reveal of Doomsday and the start of the final battle here? The
2: reveal has no impact because you know it's going to happen. In the earlier sequences, when you see Lex gaining access to the ship and he's just doing weird stuff, cutting himself, and he's very very emo. Cutting himself, he's got Zod's (laughs) body there. Again, there's something missing here that we're not seeing. Why he's doing any of this. I mean, it seems to me that there are missing scenes where he's being told about Doomsday, because it almost seems as though he knows that this would be the final product. The reveal doesn't have a ton of weight behind it, I guess, so it's a little bit of a letdown. I mean, visually it's interesting, it's kind of gross and stuff, but well, leading into the final battle, it should not, it doesn't have the emotional impact that it should. Like a villain like Doomsday, I mean, that's a huge villain in the Superman universe. Just getting another kind of CGI monster here.
1: Yeah, it's another CGI monster. That's true. Yeah. Harry, what do you tell me about the reveal of Doomsday, Lex's master plan? What do you think?
0: Sure. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I, I still don't really have all the motivations for Lex's plan. I think this character is just, it's not well thought out. They just wanted to throw in a villain so the trinity of trios can just go fight something. I also don't understand how he creates Doomsday because he uses Zod's Mm -hmm. DNA and then his human blood. Wouldn't you be technically creating a being that is weaker than Zod? Because you're Mm -hmm. combining Kryptonian and human DNA. Yeah, you would still be partially strong, but... It doesn't make sense that Doomsday is the result of this. It's really, really poor. It's poor story writing. The look of him, too, he reminds me of the doesn't really look a lot like Doomsday too much. Looks like Turd Monster from that Kevin Smith biblical movie. <laughs> That's what he reminds me of. Yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Okay, so,
3: Andrew, real quick on the reveal here. I thought it thought? was a great tie into Lord of the Rings, as I didn't think that <laughs> a, a cave troll could be as powerful as Doomsday. <laughs> it's one of those, I look back, I want to watch the movie again just because the sequence just doesn't make any sense. And doomsday that reveal it had already been spoiled. And that fact of it was like, we knew he was coming. He showed up like, he looks like a cave troll. And so there was no real oomph to that particular scene versus having an impact of a character like doomsday all of a sudden show up like, Oh damn, this changes the game. You're like, when's he going to show up? I'm like, that's how he shows up. Like, okay, whatever. Let's just see how this plays out. So I, there was no surprise and no emotional impact behind that reveal. It just it still doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I, I, it probably wasn't handled very well. So we'll we'll take it from here to the sort of the end. The big battle ensues. Batman understands this is a Kryptonian creature, so he knows he needs the Kryptonite weapons to help defeat it. Wonder Woman, she's uh, thrown her bags in the overhead compartment that there's shit going down. So she rushes to the scene with her armor and gets in on the fight. You know, we can take it right to the end of the fight. I mean, they battle, defeat the creature, and Superman gets killed in the process.
3: I love Wonder Woman. I think she was just upset with the seat selection on Turkish Airlines. I love that little (laughs) uh, plug. So she decides, like, "Ah, I might as well get the later flight. I I thought it was handled really well. I love the music, like the introduction. She... Definitely kicks some ass. The fight with Doomsday was pretty neat. And then when he had his hand chopped off and I saw that little bone protrusion, I'm like, that instant recognition, like, oh, crap. They're, gonna k- down. they're killing Superman. I was still expecting Aquaman to show up. I'm not sure why I was really wanting Aquaman to show up. I don't.
0: I don't like the character, but... Well, they weren't underwater. Was he going to blow bubbles at him? (laughs) I was just going to say, is he allowed to go on land? I I don't know.
3: Based upon what was happening, I was just expecting more of a a Justice League tie-in. I wanted him to fly in on a seahorse. That would have been funny. (laughs) (laughs) But not a big seahorse. A small
4: seahorse. No, oh, a little one.
3: Yeah. yeah. But the battle was, it was okay, but it wasn't anything to write home about. And the ending, I'm sure we're going to be talking about the ending separately. I did come away from that battle thinking, I want to see more of Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah, like you guys, I think Wonder Woman's the best part of this whole battle here. There's a little sequence where, you know, this movie doesn't have a lot of fun. And, you know, characters aren't happy. They're not smiling. There's not not too many jokes flying around. But the one sequence I did like is when she gets thrown back from Doomsday. Tossed across the, the wherever the block or whatever, wherever they're fighting, and she just gets up and has a smile on her face and gets right back at it. And I love that aspect there of a little bit more of a fun. That's something that really was lacking in this movie and for the rest of this fight. Something I didn't also like in this fight, too, is I know that I think at the end, how they defeat Doomsday, it's kind of a small team up there. But they really didn't work together as much as I would have liked. And I think that was a missed opportunity. They were just kind of doing their own individual thing for the most part. And then Clark had to go off course and save Lois again. So uh, it's just, geez, Louise, she needs to get away. Like, she can't be here all the time. And I'm sure in Justice yeah. League, she'll find a way to get, you know, in between Superman and whoever else in Darkseid. And she'll be she'll be there again. On the other side of the, she'll universe. find a way to get into trouble. But I think the fight overall was a bit lackluster. Regarding Superman's death, very disappointing. There was no real build up to it. It just like goes and looks at Lois. You are my world. I'm gonna take the spear and go ram it in him, and he gets stabbed. It's kind of my cousin. I watched it with my cousin. He looked at me. He was all excited because you know he grew up reading the death of Superman comics that I gave him and stuff like that, and he was all excited and thought it was great. And I was just kind of bored. It it really didn't hit home for me or Mm. I didn't feel anything. I thought it was a big letdown. For such a huge pivotal moment, I thought it was very poorly handled.
2: Two things off the bat that annoyed me is that they twice made reference to where the battle was happening. No one was around. Yeah. And this was kind of like, oh, okay, well, everyone complained about people getting killed in Man of Steel. So, oh, yeah, downtown Gotham. Oh, it's after work. So it's deserted, which would never happen in a major city like that. And then, second on the island, oh, don't worry, sir. It's uninhabited. Okay, thanks. (laughs) That was just like, it's so ham fisted. Now, the battle itself, I loved the introduction of Wonder Woman, and I wish I could find it. There's no clips of it yet, but I mean, just even the music was great. Oh yeah. yeah, I forgot to mention uh, that.
0: Her music was great. Oh yeah,
2: I think that was fantastic. And yeah, she brings the only humor to the film and fun, right? Because she's like a true warrior, the way the other those other two clowns are not. And, you know, busting out the lasso of truth. But I, I like that they kept that element, right? And just her sort of supernatural weapons and stuff. But I agree that the death of Superman has no weight to it in this you know but partly too is that you see interviews with henry Calville and it's just like oh yeah shooting justice league in a couple of weeks here it seems like it's a bit of a throwaway in this movie i mean it probably would have had more weight if lois had died or something like that like i think that would have been something that we wouldn't see but i mean it's not it's not horrible but it just it has no weight for such a large event in a character's history
1: from the fight with Doomsday, you know, I was expecting to really not enjoy the fight at all. I thought it was going to be a piece of shit, partially just because I, from the trailers, the CG looked really, really poor. But I was surprised I, I didn't mind it at all. It wasn't great, but... You know, obviously, Wonder Woman's arrival on the scene was really cool. I liked the introduction of her character and, and, you know, their interaction at the start where Batman and Superman are looking at each other going like, "Uh, fuck, I don't know. Shit, she's obviously into it, so let's do it. She's slicing and dicing and, you know, the battles going on there. It's easy, but, you know, the three kind of combine their abilities to defeat Doomsday. The death punch that Doomsday delivers to Superman right through his chest, I, I like that. It was okay. It wasn't great. In all honesty, they probably could have found a better way to resolve this film. But being that this is the choice they took, it was okay. I, I didn't mind it. Actually, I actually like the aftermath, which we can talk about a little bit. Doomsday's been defeated. And it was kind of, I thought it was kind of neat how, you know, Batman wrapped Superman up in his cape and sort of lowered him down there. Uh, another Christ metaphor. Yeah, definitely a, another another Messiah metaphor there, which uh, they're not shying away from. I think Superman is 33
2: years old in this movie, which is also another Christ metaphor, I think.
1: He was 33 years
2: old in the first movie. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, I thought it was in this one. Maybe he's 33
1: in both movies. That's what what I think. (laughs) Well, because at the end of Man of Steel, he says, I've been here for 33 years. And this this movie was released on the 25th of March, which I heard has some significance to some Jesus people, but I don't know. What do I know? If anybody isn't sure yet, Superman is Jesus, okay? It's <laughs> just alien not not only, Jesus. He's space Jesus with laser beam eyeballs, okay? Which is he makes it more awesome. That's going to be so, the Bible remake that comes out in a few years from the Catholic Church. Laser beam Jesus. Hey, hey, everything
2: else gets a reboot. Why not yeah, the Bible? Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, so we get the uh, the dual funeral. So we'll, we'll wrap it up. Wrap it up here with the dual funeral. Smallville. Clark Kent is the sole victim. of the giant battle he gets his own spread on page two it's hilarious it's just it's it's good to know that the many areas they fought in were uh populated only by the intrepid insubordinate reporter clark kent (laughs) insubordinate
0: yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) fuck you Um, i got front row seats to doomsday i got front row seats and oh i'm dead Poor Clark Kent. So we get the funeral scene in in Metropolis and also in Smallville. Superman is dead. Uh, he's he's being buried, and we get a scene with Bruce Wayne and Diana Prince. It's time to seek out the people like her because uh, shit's going down. Something's coming, and we have to assemble a super squad. Some dirt floats on the coffin, and the end. That's Batman v. Superman. Harry, I'll let you weigh in first. These last scenes, the funerals, Batman's intimidation of Lex in his cell. What do you think?
0: I like Batman's intimidation of Lex in his cell. It's like, oh, sweet. But then it gets ruined again by Eisenberg and his silliness. Ding, 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 and all that stuff. It's terrible. How he knows about all this dark side stuff. I mean, I guess he's figuring it out from the Kryptonian ship, but I do not understand any of this character's motivations here. Is he being controlled by Dark Side? Is he being controlled by another force? Is he just stupid? Is he just crazy? I don't know what he wants. It's just a bunch of ridiculous nonsense. Regarding the funerals, yeah, I mean it's laugh out loud silly that about the page two spread about Clark Kent, go into that further. How the whole world doesn't know he's Superman is Clark Kent is just baffling i didn't really like any of these scenes i mean batman says oh i failed him yeah you you failed a lot of things man uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's ridiculous that you are the girl's greatest detective you are just an angry little child is what you are and now just going back to the whole thing here again now the DC universe is putting batman in charge of the justice league now i listened to our podcast we did last uh, our, in episode five where we all agreed that Superman should be the linchpin of the Justice League and they are not moving in this direction. This is That was a worry of ours. We all agreed on it at the end of that episode. And here we have Batman who seems to be going to be the leader of the Justice League. And this I do not like. I know Superman is dead at this point and he's going to be coming back, but I just have no faith in what's going to be happening here. I didn't like any of this.
1: Yep, yeah, no, that, that's that's uh, that's fair enough, uh, Andrew. What do you think? Totally hokey Batman elements. Like, just
3: take Batman. I I, I echo exactly what Harry said. Is that ah, Jesse Eisenberg ruined those scenes as Lex Luthor? The whole parallel of the funeral with Clark Kent and Superman. I would have preferred to have like Clark Kent just disappeared. Pass. I'm just,
0: just <laughs> pass. Guess. He's too drunk. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm. I'm not even close to getting. It's one of those moments where like you want to be really drunk. But even after drinking, like, I'm not sure how much. This is a good, like, third of his bottle of whiskey. I'm still fine. But uh, just a third. Come on. Yeah, I'm an yeah. amateur. I am a lightweight. Thank you. But it's it was just so hokey. And the ending with the dirt lifting off of Superman's casket. Like, we all knew, like, Superman wasn't going to be dead. There's no mystery to it. And just as Harry mentioned, like, when you guys were talking about the Justice League and having Superman be the linchpin... Like, right away, it's like, even when Superman died, you know, like, right away he's like, he's not dead. Well, of course, of course he's not dead. But that, that's what takes away the emotional impact of a character death like that. It loses that impact when people continuously get brought back, and I'm trying to think of a wrestling comparison, but it's just dolls in comic books have become that, where, like, characters die, and you like, you know, a few episodes down the road, or like a year down the road, they're just gonna bring them back. You can't have an imp- like a, a death like superman happened without that emotional weight behind it we didn't have that emotional investment in the character
1: is the reason why you don't feel anything on his at his death is because you know he's coming back yes like, or because they did do a good job with his death it's both like i
3: think they just shoehorned it in i think they did it in an attempt to make people feel upset about the death of superman when we all know he's gonna come back. Like you compare it to a sequence like in Star Trek Two with Spock dying. At the point when Spock died back when the movie was was released, like people thought he was dead. Like that was like to end a movie like that on the death of a major character just sent shockwaves to the nerd community. It was think- also
0: a likable character though. This Superman, you could argue, is not very likable certainly, yes, I can see the perspective. And he's still Superman,
3: but we just all knew what was going to happen. And so there's no surprise. There's no weight to it. And it's just, it. I felt they just shoehorned it in just to match how the comics were.
2: I kind of agree that there's little weight to the death overall. Although I did kind of like the funeral scenes because there is a lot of imagery, I thought, from the Death of Superman comic. I mean, I have to honestly wonder if part of the reason why I don't feel it has any weight is because I know the actor is contractually obligated for two more Justice League movies, right? So, I mean, I, The Death of Spock is, in a way, a little bit different because Leonard Nimoy at the time actually had said, I'm done with Spock, and he okay. wasn't contractually obligated. Chris Evans, if he does die in, in a Civil War, He's coming back next to Avengers movie because I know he's contractually obligated to. I mean, the only one who could potentially die. Well, I don't want to talk about that, but so I don't know if that kind of colors my view of the death of Superman in this movie. It's serviceable. You know, it kind of ended on, you know, a little bit of a touch of hope that, oh, okay, he isn't truly dead. He's going to, you know, resurrect as I watch this on Good Friday. (laughs) yeah the scene with Batman threatening uh, Lex Luthor I agree with you Harry that the scene sort of devolves a little bit like there's some missing again more missing tissue here of, of how does Lex know this they should have spent a little bit more time setting that up because there's no reason for him to create Doomsday. There's no reason for the ding ding-ding something is coming at the end. That connective tissue is missing.
1: Okay, so that's the end of the of the film. So let's so a couple questions I wanted to ask you guys. Let's just talk about, you know, a couple of high-level pieces, just on a basic level. Let's talk about Ben Affleck as Batman. Andrew, how did he turn out for you? I think he was actually a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I think of
3: all the characters characters i was the most impressed i think the difference between what i was going into in terms of my like my opinion of them and coming out of it i had read a bunch of spoiler free reviews and it seemed to be pretty unanimous that everyone said that ben Affleck was a lot better than people were giving him initial credit for so i was happy with the brooding aspect of it so i think ben Affleck did the best job he could given what was presented to him the writing of the character certainly after talking to you guys certainly exposes the stupidity of Batman throughout the duration of this movie. But I think Ben Affleck is how he portrayed Batman makes me want to see more of it. I want to see like how he became as disgruntled and old and just a curmudgeon that he became. Like I want to see the storyline about like how whatever Robin got killed. So I think Ben Affleck did the best job he could and it makes me want to see more.
1: Okay, Harry, how did Ben Affleck turn out for you?
0: It was okay. He wasn't terrible, but he also wasn't. Excellent and this might be the fault of the movie and the writing and, and Zach and the direction. The thing that I noticed about Ben Affleck is while there's some intriguing aspects to him, I didn't find a lot of nuances and differences between the character of Bruce Wayne the Playboy, Bruce Wayne who's you know at home or Batman who's at home dealing with Alfred and when he's in the suit. Kind of all the same guy but I'm wondering if that's also who he's supposed to be at this time period in his life. He maybe just doesn't Mm -hmm. give a fuck anymore. So it's a bit confusing and very different than the other portrayals of Batman that we're used to. So you got to do something different. So, okay. I'm just not sure that I like it. But I do agree that I, I want to see more. I'd be more interested in seeing him in a solo Batman movie instead of Justice League. I don't have that much of an interest in Justice League moving forward anyways. But okay. Okay, job.
1: I had kind of the same feeling there. He didn't differentiate Bruce Wayne and Batman a whole lot. And I kind of felt that was, you know, part of the character at this point. It's been so long. He's not Bruce Wayne anymore. He's just Batman and he can't separate the two. I I was pleased with his portrayal. I I thought he was a good choice. I think it it is weird to see Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman just because it's Ben Affleck. It's just strange, but I thought he acquitted himself well. Uh, Nathan, what did you think? I really liked him. It's not my favorite Batman, but, you
2: know, the the, the expectations were so low, I guess, that, I mean, he could only excel. <laughs> but, you know, I I think the idea that he's just sort of the same in all aspects of his life as the character, it kind of harkens back to the Michael Keaton portrayal, where there wasn't a lot of differentiation between Batman and Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne in his you know the personal and public life and you know Michael Keaton is one of my favorite Batman you know we're dealing in a world where Val Kilmer was Batman so <laughs> i mean like the the bar is pretty low and i would really be interested to see yeah a solo Batman film and just what he does further with the character in justice league
1: just for the record i'm a fan of uh, Val Kilmer and his take as Batman, but oh, I like Val Kilmer, but he's kind of on the low
2: end of the the. No, he's that, that totem pole. He's Val. no George Clooney. Let's just. Say.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say, is it George Clooney, <laughs> kind of the low end of the totem pole? There, I mean, well, I mean, but he small... also look what he
2: had to work with. I mean, come on. Yeah.
1: I don't know. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. I mean, they didn't really get to, to talk about it in the movie, but what about? You know, Superman acting as, you know, his own force. Uh, there's, there's no yeah. oversight. He's not accountable to anybody but himself. There's nobody who could stop him. I don't even know what the questions are or what the answers are. Uh, Nathan, what are, you, what, what are your thoughts on this
2: concept here? Well, I think that's a great concept for a movie that I think, you know, so in this sort of age, I think of, like, I know this is not like a terribly political well, it's sort of a political movie, but I mean, there's no nuance to it. So I think that's an interesting idea on the character of Superman. It's sort of unfortunate that they, they don't even really form the question properly, nor do they truly answer it in any sort of way. There's a germ of an idea and they don't capitalize on that.
1: Yeah. So, Harry, what what do you think? I mean, you know, I know you see Superman as the is uh, supposed to be as the beacon of hope. I mean, what's his role in this world here? Should he have oversight? Should the people who inhabit this world fear him because there is no way to stop him? If I would see Cavill's Superman in reality with all
0: that destruction, I would be initially worried as well like anybody else but if since then if he is trying to make amends and is helping people i would try and give someone like that a benefit of the doubt very hard to say because it doesn't exist in reality but that's what i would like to think uh, in terms of cavill like this superman says i agree with nathan this gem of an idea would be great to explore it's just thrown there and then zack snyder blew it up as he blew up congress these questions aren't answered And I don't know if they're ever going to be. That was my worry with continuing the storyline in this movie instead of a direct sequel to Man of Steel. I think if we had Mm -hmm. a direct sequel to Man of Steel, we would be exploring these issues a little bit more and it'd be better fleshed out. Because I agree with you, Jeff. I don't have an answer because and I don't even think the character of Superman himself as depicted here even knows what he wants or who he is still two movies in. Even after he helped kill doomsday because in the end Mm -hmm. all he did was oh lois you're my world that's it i'm saving you but i'm not sure about the rest of this fucking planet but you i like you're my world (laughs) you're my world because even again the child abuse was still here from kevin costner we didn't get to that scene where he says if you help i help save my farm my mom said i'm a hero but we ended up destroying another farm so isn't that message saying that if you help you're just gonna end up screwing somebody else over what's the message here i don't like this character and the character himself doesn't still know and it's just a jumbled mess
1: so andrew what what do you think about
3: that it's an area that i wanted to explore but it's it highlights part of what i want to discuss in like the final comments is that this is one part of this movie that really this movie was three movies in one and this is a movie that i really want to see fleshed out over a two to two and a half hour time period like Seeing the emotional impact of Superman handling what happened with Metropolis, seeing the world come to grips with like, well, should there be control over what Superman does? Yes, that plays into like what they're doing with Civil War, but it just felt so rushed. And so the character just wasn't developed at all. I want to see it, but I don't think we're going to get it, which is really, really disappointing because there is an emotional investment in this character but my fear is that basically we're just going to get Man of Steel we're going to get nothing else when it comes to a solo Superman movie like that's it when it comes to the development of Superman so it's discouraging part of my final comments we're going to be talking about how like I'm actually really excited to see the extended cut of this movie because I think it may flesh out some of the characters but we just didn't see it and it's disappointing
1: no, fair enough. But let's talk about the critical reception. We, we touched on it, how the film has been received critically. Uh, are you concerned about how it's been received critically? Do you agree? Do you disagree? And what do you think that means for the future of the DC cinematic universe? I will say that I do like this movie.
2: Many of the criticisms I read about it, I think are all valid and I agree with them. I can't help but feel that some people come into this movie and like they're just going to pre-hate it before they even see it. I think there's a lot of hate for Zack Snyder. And I think that is probably well placed because he I think he's just like this type of faux geek who doesn't really understand superheroes necessarily. I think he's a good visual director, but he doesn't understand why these stories have meaning one thing we never really touched on was the one of the writers of this film is uh, david goyer whom i think deserves as much if not maybe a little bit more of the blame for how this movie turned out well you know they're plowing forward with justice league so i mean i think the movie is doing well financially well maybe not well in terms of hollywood it's probably doing modestly well i read recently that they're uh, doing reshoots for justice league to add some humor because apparently all the humor was in the last trailer you mean suicide squad oh yeah what did i say just just sleep oh just uh, yeah suicide squad sorry that's what i meant i think warner brothers is going to take a good hard look at the criticism and and say oh shit i hope they don't make too hard of a course correction and go super jokey because I don't mind the grim dark stuff. You you still need to have some humor, sure, but there's no reason to go full Marvel.
1: So Andrew, uh, what, what what's your reaction to the critical reception here and, and what's that mean for the future? Well, I think because it's been a financial
3: success, I think DC is gonna still press forward with their desires to make this into, of course, a, a viable franchise and really compete with Marvel. I'm hoping that DC wakes up and looks at the critical reviews that are coming out about this movie and kind of shifts their focus in the development of this universe. I think they rushed into getting the Justice League together, which for them, they're lucky that it didn't backfire. I think this movie made a ton of money already. And in comparison to how good of a movie it is, they totally got away with it. But I think they know that they won't have too many other opportunities to get away with it similar to how they did with Batman versus Superman. Like if Suicide Squad isn't good, it's really going to send a, a message. It's like I actually have high hopes for Suicide Squad. I think the critical reviews that it's getting are very much justified. I think there's only been one solid positive review that I've read about
1: Batman versus Superman uh,
3: that I read prior to going into the movie, which was from BBC of all places. But overall, I think the reviews that it's getting are well-deserved.
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Harry, critical reception, the future of the dc cinematic universe we used to have
0: this saying like this movie's called dawn of justice well with respect <laughs> to the critical reception justice has been served that's where <laughs> uh, that's where i'll end with respect to the critical response future of the dc universe i mean I, as i said i'd be interested in a solo batfleck movie to watch i would be interested in seeing wonder woman because i enjoyed the character here As for Justice League or future Superman movies, no interest. Characters here just don't do justice for me. And as a team, the humor, I agree. It's it's a bit too dark for me to enjoy. I was going to bring it up in my final thoughts. But, you know, I believe that Marvel, even though I know they're sometimes more jokey in certain flicks, I believe they still have found the right tone. And here, tonally, I just don't like where these movies are on the DC side of things currently.
1: I think I agree partially with that as well. I mean the critical reception for anybody listening who doesn't know the critical reception has not been very positive for this film. It's it's tough for me. I mean I read a lot of reviews and I I can't disagree with a lot of what's said. My only issue is a lot of the negative reviews I read are are people who don't seem to understand the characters or the comic books or the storylines that are at play. And a lot of critics had a problem with what they deemed to be uh, the coincidental instance of Bruce Wayne's mother having the same name as Clark Kent's mother. And I understand it's a little goofy, but that goes back decades before any of us were born. So that's a thing that's built into those characters. So I I don't know. I found a lot of the criticisms out there it just seemed to be worn out of people who didn't understand the characters. Um, but yeah, you, you can't ar- argue with a lot of the criticisms. I was hoping for a better critical reception here. The fan reception seems to be a little bit more positive. And as far as the future goes, I mean, me personally, uh, I'm really looking forward to the Wonder Woman movie. And I'm looking forward to the Justice League film. It's probably going to be as messy and clunky as this one was, but... I don't know. I think I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope there's some Batflack solo movies. I, I think there's a lot to be explored there. That's the only thing that worries me is that we've got solo movies for The Flash, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern Corps, but there aren't solo Batman movies. Shazam super- <laughs> and Shazam. Like <laughs> <laughs> why are we getting into the B heroes here when our A listers don't have solo movies on the slate? Uh So I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, I think maybe it's time to... We're at uh, 4 hours and 15 minutes, gentlemen. So maybe it's time to move into our final thoughts on the movie. Damn it. So I was going to start off my final thoughts,
3: and I'm going to continue to start off my final thoughts with, like, I went into this movie wearing Batman socks, Batman underwear, and a Batman shirt. Super excited about this, giving it as much hope as I possibly could of making this a great movie. And the credits started rolling, and I just sat there in my chair. And all of the people that were there with me just looked at me like are you okay i'm like i just don't know what to think of it and i still don't know what to really think of it It, it's there's so much more that it could have been there's so much more that it's left unexplained it's a mishmash of movies put together to make it be a justice league setup when really you could separate this movie into three separate movies and make them each two hours long and all of them be fantastic and that's why i don't think it really makes sense once again, I think it was a wasted opportunity. I think there were some great elements that were ruined by some terrible elements that just make it a confusing movie for most moviegoers. And it was a, a huge letdown. Like I'm glad it didn't go up against Civil War because Civil War is going to spank it when it comes to like actual the caliber of the movie. <sighs> I just didn't like this movie at all. I loved Man of Steel. Like I'm one of those people that just really, really enjoyed Man of Steel. And when I read a review saying that if you liked Man of Steel, you're going to like this movie, I was like, okay, this is good hope for me. And I came out of it going like, God, I've been gut punched and then kicked in the groin and then having my balls put in a vice like it just isn't a good movie.
1: Well, I'm hoping that your Superman underwear provided you the protection required for when you got kicked in the balls uh, (laughs) watching this. Nathan, you're up next. Final thoughts on Batman v Superman. I do like it. And as I said before,
2: I think all the criticisms leveled against it are all valid.
1: So, I'll, Harry, I'll give you the honor of last the last word on it. So I'll go next. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Nathan. You, you can't really argue with the criticisms here. Every review I read, like, yeah, that's legit. But I like the movie. I mean, it's a mess. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but, you know, I I stopped trying to worry too much about the plot of these superhero movies, and I I worry more about the characters themselves. I thought Ben Affleck did a, a really good job as Batman. I'm a fan of Henry Cavill as Superman. I know, you know, people say he's not very emotive, he's wooden. I just see him as portraying Superman as... Uh, a stoic you know he's 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 trying to be strong for everybody and i don't know maybe that doesn't come across for everyone but that, that that really works for me as far as that character i think it adds a an extra layer to him as opposed to being sort of the smiling shining light which i don't find particularly interesting so i i, I like the movie man it's got every problem in the book there's no question but it looks cool it's not poorly written from a dialogue perspective it's just poorly constructed from a storytelling perspective i think part of that's the studio as well trying to set up the justice league and the other movies i enjoyed it i like it i'm happy enough with it so so those are my thoughts uh, harry you get the honor of the last word the criticism is
0: justified as we talked about but sometimes you you know you always we always play armchair critics so what we're doing on the show is we're trying to really look at all the different aspects of a movie. But, you know, when you look at a superhero movie, it's just really supposed to be dumb fun. It's a superhero movie. There's not many of them that's supposed to be inspiring or have a lot of messages here because there's nothing here. It's just dumb fun of two guys punching each other and then a trinity of heroes punching a, a turd monster. So really, <laughs> <laughs> really, that's what you're getting. You knew you were getting it. So if you enjoy that, it's a good movie for you. But if we have to critically analyze this movie, which is what the other critics are doing, it's terrible. It's a mess. The character motivations are poor. We talked about Batman. We talked about Superman. Wonder Woman seems to be the only one who's kind of true to her character. She's just coming in to help everybody. Lex Luthor's terrible. You know, I'm still mixed on Affleck. I disagree with you 100%, Jeff. Cavill's just a wooden log. I know you're saying a stoic, but he's no hero he's not superman if you're saying you don't need superman to be smiling and shining in the light and stuff like that superman's the beacon of hope for all superheroes and the one hero that's doing it right now is captain america i mentioned one other time i didn't like the first captain america movie but i do appreciate the character and i did enjoy winter soldier a lot that's a character that really superman should be based around those type of characteristics and i don't see that anywhere here whether that's Cavill or Snyder or Goyer's fault, probably a combination of all three, but still not an excuse. We didn't talk about the directing and editing here because there was so much story to tell. It was a mismatch of different scenes and the editing was piss poor, but that's because the scope was so big, but you still can't, it's not a pass, it's not an excuse. The Score was again, not really that great or noticeable except for Wonder Woman's jungle Amazonian music, which is kind of cool. So with the exception of that, it was not, not something I really cared to listen to. Overall, I thought it was a very poor movie, and I have no hope for the future of any of these characters, really. Even though I would be interested in seeing a Batman movie and a Wonder Woman movie. But I think I'm done with this Superman guy. He ain't Superman to me. Hope he stays dead. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. The dirt moving up was just, alas gas passing through the body in his transition (laughs) to death
1: (laughs) that's it you know the guy should stay in the ground he's done even though he's coming back but he's coming back he deserves well he had it coming. maybe uh one last thing before we put this in a coffin is harry you brought up captain america the Marvel movies, is it apples and oranges? Can we compare it to the Marvel movies at all? Harry, is this you know, giving us something different than the Marvel movies? Is it worthy as a competitor? Is it better? Is it worse? Should it just go away? What do you
4: think?
0: Well, it's it's early on. It's early days. So it's very hard to say, is it working? I don't think it's working because as you, somebody mentioned, and I think I heard it before too, is that DC is trying to make it dark and gritty because Nolan's Batman was dark and gritty. That works for the character of Batman in a Batman solo movie, but the other characters cannot be all serious all the time. That is not who these characters are. Yeah, uh, in comparison to Marvel, they're seriously dropping the ball big time. Marvel's done it better, and I'm a DC fanboy when it comes to the comics. Superman and Batman are my favorite superheroes, with Spider-Man a close third, but the Marvel movie universe is so much better at this stage. And they're not even perfect. I think Marvel's kicking their ass. Marvel has demonstrated ability to show a wide
3: range of different tones of movies. Like you get the the serious tone of Winter Soldier. And then you get a really fun movie like Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man. And it's still they just have this ability to be able to have these amazing superhero movies with different levels of tone. But I think what DC is trying to accomplish is something that Winter Soldier had. Like Winter Soldier is, I think, the most serious of all the Marvel movies. And to me, that I think is the best Marvel movie, but it still had some humor in it. It still had a little bit of lightheartedness to it. It still had that element of heart that is really missing. And I know there's been a lot of talk about the heart of this movie over the last few days. DC's going way too much like Christopher Nolan. As Harry mentioned, like that's good for Batman, but it's not good for the rest of the DC universe. And I'm the same way. Like I was a DC guy growing up. Like I loved Batman. I loved Superman. Marvel was something that only came recently in terms of my interest. But I think Marvel's just shown how to do good superhero movies. And rather than DC saying, it's like, listen, we're going to do things our own way. They should just, there's no greater flattery than like the imitation game and for them to to kind of duplicate what Marvel did I think it's just good for the superhero genre in general and so while this movie I think is a huge critical failure it's going to highlight to DC it's like you got to do it right and people are going to go and they're going to watch these solo movies and going to appreciate the fact that there's a build up for these characters but ultimately at the end like I just they didn't hit the tone of what this movie should have really been. And uh, I don't think Superman should stay dead. I wish they would give him another chance, but unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen.
2: I think it's a little unfair actually to compare the DC movies to Marvel. I mean, Marvel has a huge head start and Batman versus Superman is really their first foray into this arena. You know, and let's not forget like the early Marvel movies are, they're good. They're not great. I mean, the I, first Iron Man Second half of the movie is not really all that good. Thor's kind of a mess. Iron Man 2 again, not all that great, I think. so uh, Warner Brothers has the opportunity here to learn from Marvel's mistakes and you know what they did right and what they did wrong. My fear though is that at Warner Brothers they're not comic book guys, right? They're the type of like they're studio execs who think they know better, whereas that's what Marvel gets right. They know the material. They don't think they're better than it. Uh, only time will tell. I think it, it's too early to really say what's going to happen with the future of the DC movies. I am concerned.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to go off the board here and and say that as much as I enjoy the Marvel movies, there's a lot of handholding that goes on there. They play it, every single Marvel movie. They play it straight. They play it down the middle nobody took any risks in any one of those films they all work uh, age of ultron is a giant mess of a movie even more so than this one i would argue you know from a superhero perspective you know superhero movie perspective i like at least that this has done something in a completely different direction as much of a clusterfuck as it is at least it doesn't try to hold my hand but that's uh batman v superman gentlemen andrew nathan thank you for uh Taking the time to, to guest star on the show again today. Harry, what is up for us on the next round of a podcast for Antiquities? You know, we've
0: been doing some some obscure movies and stuff that hasn't been fun. So I thought we'd do something a little bit more fun. And I thought we'd take away some inspiration of one of the references here in this movie as Batman's tragedy started when he went to see The Mask of Zorro. So we, oh, fuck up. so we will we will now discuss and analyze in the next episode antonio
1: banderas
0: and oh, anthony hopkins in the mask of zorro
1: <laughs> oh man okay yeah that'll uh... <laughs> that'll be a good one we'll round up on that one <laughs> andrew thanks for for joining us tonight man we appreciate it no thanks again for having me always a blast yeah, it'll be fun next time. Uh, Nathan, again, uh, thanks for making the time tonight. Thanks for having me. Harry, uh, it's a good time again, my friend. We'll yeah. see you on the other side. Yeah, you too. Passionate conversation this was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys.